Hello and welcome to episode 128 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. Today we're talking my pick, Roger Dodger, directed by Dylan Kidd, starring Campbell Scott and Jesse Eisenberg, Elizabeth Berkley, Jennifer Beals, and uh, from 2002. And uh, we're also going to be talking about other stuff we watched, a lot of recent releases, and uh, and classics as well. Right? Yeah. A couple of classics um, in there? I only watch new things. That's oh, it. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we're also going to be talking about a, a trailer. <laughs> a little tease. <laughs> How's it going, guys? It's going good. It's wonderful. I'm enjoying my technical difficulties. It's a blast. Mm. JR, are you, uh, are you back in school or what? No, but I, I go back to the building next week, and then kids come the week after. <sighs> you motherfucker. Uh, I had to go back yesterday, and the kids come oh, Tuesday. God. So, well, this, I mean, oh, this coming Tuesday? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, we have uh, no, we have like no time to prep whatsoever. I mean, I think a week is too long. I don't need a week, but I don't want the kids to come back, so, so I'll take a week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would like a week. I would like just like two days of uninterrupted time. Like we have like constant meetings and stuff. It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. you know, it's the worst. But uh, anyway, you know, I'm, I'm okay mm-hmm. with it. I'm gonna. I'll be fine and uh yeah let's uh i guess let's just dive right into this trailer the big trailer release this week mm. which was uh the banshees of inishirin am i saying that right jr do you know <laughs> i'm the Ir- irish authority over here i don't uh, know that's, that sounds good yeah this is uh from acclaimed director martin mcdonough who he's an he, he's won oscars right did three billboards win best picture I think it was for sure nominated, but I don't know if it won. I don't remember it winning. Oh boy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Uh, I and I'm one of the uh, few people who like this movie, apparently. In the, yeah, uh, I did not I did not world. get that movie. It won Me two either. Oscars. Francis for, for sure. Francis mm. and for Sam Rockwell. So oh, no. Okay. Didn't win Best Picture. But uh he mm. was also uh the, the director was nominated for screenplay. Mm. Anyway, this is his new film, and uh, I don't know. What did you guys think of this trailer? It stars uh, Colin Farrell. The movie does, not the trailer. Colin Farrell, <laughs> Brendan Gleeson, and Barry Keegan, among others. I mean, it looks kind of weird, but not super weird. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, um, I don't know. I guess it's kind of, well, maybe not. I was going to say it's kind of returned to form, but like, I don't think any of his other big movies have been set in Ireland. So that is true. No, but they have like in Bruges was, they they were two Irish gentlemen, right? Yeah, sure. But they spend most, but they spend the movie in Belgium. So yeah. Uh, Bruges. (laughs) I am. I'm happy for this guy to have, you know, gotten the fuck out of America uh and <laughs> and and you know doing something in ireland that looks i mean i think it looks funny and amusing and i think the premise is uh you know just like you said you know kind of weird but sort of just like low key it doesn't seem like it could be a movie 
like this guy's just like not gonna talk to this other guy yeah like brendan gleason's just like don't fucking talk to me anymore or i will cut mm. off my fingers one by one if you talk to me but i yeah. you know i, was I find glad. that amusing I'm, i agree i like that i like the premise a lot but i also like that like when he entered when they introduced that the the part that part of it where he's like i'm gonna cut my fingers off I was like, okay, now it's getting like like a little bit too like far fetched, high concept, like ridiculous. But then I like how mm. they they sort of like, I mean, they I don't know where it's going to go in the film, but they don't you know he don't show him cutting his fingers off in the trailer, mm. so I'm yeah. assuming he doesn't. Those <laughs> I, are some I just gnarly like, shears though. Oh yeah, totally. Jeez, like old, those are like, like old school sheep shears. Yeah, and they look like razor blades. <laughs> um, I mean, check off shears though, right? Ah, ah, like they're they're right. using them. Yeah. That's right. I like the I just like the idea of the the one guy ending the friendship with the other guy and the other guy not knowing why. It's good. Mm. It's such it's like low stakes, but it's interesting. He's so mm. dull, but he's always been dull. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I like uh, Colin Farrell a lot. He's yeah, he's gone through he's gone through like a quiet career renaissance in the last like five to seven years. Mm. I'd say like where. He's sort of become like a very reliable, you know, well-respected performer. Yeah. Not that he wasn't well-respected before, but he he definitely like in his early days. I remember always people always talking about like he was very rowdy and like mm. he would get like drunk and stuff, like and come to set drunk and all these kinds of things. And he was just like a big, like you know, just an Irish guy, a fighter, you know, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm 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 psyched for it. I never saw Seven Psychopaths. Mm. I, mean, I, I enjoyed that. Kevin, I think you said you did not, right? I remember enjoying parts of it, but like looking back, it seemed pretty lame. And also like entirely too meta. Because like Colin Farrell plays a screenwriter named Martin. <laughs> and it's like, oh... And he's writing a film called Seven Psychopaths. Yeah, I mean, that, oh, that does sound okay. yeah. exhausting. Yeah. yeah. This looks terrible. This reminds me of that other movie. Um, uh, what's that? What's that, like, terrible? Oh, Lucky Number Slevin. <laughs> oh. It just, like, reminds me of something like that, which is why I can't. It looks that's, like, like something that's, like, straight to VHS in, like, the late 90s. You know? That yeah. movie is not terrible. Not that it's awesome, but it's not terrible. I mean, I like the director of lucky number 11 i was mm-hmm. actually like following his career for a while paul mcgeegan Ooh. but um huh. i just i didn't get to this one i i stopped before this one came out <laughs> <laughs> i really enjoyed his first film which was called gangster number one mm. but anyways it's on oh, my deep dive list could All happen right. could happen eventually <laughs> <laughs> it's an early paul bettany performance Ooh. Um, all right. Well, moving on. Uh, what'd you guys watch? That's not a trailer. Let's, uh, John, you want to start, you want to start big? Yeah, man. We both, we both watched Nope. Sure did. We both went to the theater. Mm. Adam put on a movie for us. Yeah. In separate states. Right. And, uh, we watched a movie. And even though, even though you complain about your theater, my theater's way worse, the one I saw it in. Oh, surely. I mean, I was complaining <laughs> about the, the snacks. I just... Well, mine is like... I don't know when the last time you went to the mall AMC over here. The 
15. Yeah. I mm. feel like I used to go there a lot. Just that was closest one to where I lived. But uh, sure, yeah, it's atrocious same. now. It's just like filthy. Like it's what? constantly dirty. There's like piss puddles on the floor in the men's room, and it's just disgusting. Like everything Ever. about it. There's popcorn everywhere. They don't clean anything. Do you think it's because they added that bar? I don't. I honestly don't know what happened. I feel like it's just like a change of management, and nobody gives a fuck anymore. Yeah. But mm. the 16 is still nice, so. I try oh, to go there whenever possible, but I live I only, a week closer uh, to the 15 now. So, yeah, I only used that uh, that bar in there once. I got a couple beers while watching John Wick too. You need them for that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, what'd you think of uh, Jordan Peele's latest effort? Um, I really enjoyed it. I think it is. I don't know if it, it's flawed. Flawed. I'll call it flawed. It's certainly not a perfect movie. I think it, it is throwing, you know, a thousand ideas at the wall, and some of them are sticking. Like this is a movie about, I, I would say, a lot of things, um, but I think everything is is packaged just in a, in a really entertaining way, and I I was thoroughly entertained. I liked pretty much every performance, even though. Some of them are probably going a little over the top. Um, it took me a while to get used to Daniel Kaluuya's like really like low key mumbling thing, yeah. especially like next to Kiki Palmer, who's playing his sister, and she's just like so big and hyper and like just this insane extrovert. Um, like their dynamic took a while to click for me, but I like, guess once the like kind of plot gets into motion. Uh, I think they make more sense together than they did at the beginning. Um, it was just like they're they're meant to be so different that it's almost like distracting at first. No, I think it's I agree with you, and that's one of the um, sort of minor issues I have with it too is that the the writing of those two characters seems really broad. Like the characterization of like well, I'm gonna make one character super quiet and one character really loud, and yeah. they're, that's why they're gonna clash, you know. And it's just like <laughs> I mean I don't know. It just feels a little bit like a lazy way of getting at their relationship mm. quickly. Yeah. And, and this movie is generally quite broad. Mm. Uh, you know, and I've, I've listened to and read a bunch of people and their comments on the, we'll call the Gordy subplot, mm-hmm. um, you know, like a CD plot. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's like that. That's almost like working in, in like too subtle a fashion for, the rest of the movie, which is like very much a big, broad blockbuster. And, you know, I watched Top Gun Maverick this week also, finally, and they have a lot of similarities where some of these characters aren't, they just are not fully characters. They're just presences in the movie. They, they fulfill a function, but I think Nope handles that a lot better. And uh, I just also love the way this movie looked. I love pretty much everything set at night. Um, there is, you know, a really cool sequence, you know, kind of in the, the magic hour at this like Western themed uh, amusement park that uh, Steven Yin uh, runs that I thought was awesome. I usually we spoil the show, these movies. I'm, I'm, I would like to, to not do that just because it came out. Oh yeah. That's and yeah, of course. Uh, it, it is really fun not knowing where this goes not knowing much about it, you know, 
I'm sure Kevin, you'll have read all about it by the time you you finally see it. Uh, um, you know, I don't know if you're going to go to the theater or not. Or did you see it and I missed it? No, I haven't seen it. Um, okay. Yeah, I I would say I would try, but I'm probably going to be too busy. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's fine. I um I have two so two things. So one is the uh did you JR, did you think that the Gordy storyline was going to tie into the main storyline somehow more like more directly? Uh initially, yes. I mean, Me especially too. just the way that it like it it's literally the opening of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh I thought I thought we would get something more than what we got. Absolutely. Um, that doesn't like I don't hate that storyline. I don't I dislike mean. it. Uh, the the scene that we see, you know, a couple times is really striking. Uh, the way that we see one character narrate over that scene with a description of an SNL skit, I thought was was awesome. Uh, it's both like really funny and and dark. Of uh, course, I, I like that. I, I did. I I didn't mind that, but I also was like, "There's like in the, the immediately like losing credibility. There's no way SNL would make a skit out of oh, this no. of <laughs> like in a million years. Of course not. But like, it just, it's way too serious. Yeah. But I. But I like the idea that they it was, it was like it was like Chris Kattan was the <laughs> the, the Gordy character. I like that. I, you know, that's interesting. But, but I, just, um, I thought the way like, you know him deflecting describing what happened yeah. and instead you know just describing the skit which he's saying is hilarious and i forget the word he used for katan he's just like katan's just like it's not magic but he says like he's something. crushing it or something yeah right. he's crushing katan's it. just crushing it the, only, the uh, other the other big issue i had with it if i i mean like the, the thing that keeps it from going higher for me because i feel like the the four stars that i give it are like pretty much just like pure entertainment value i mean I don't like all the like I mean all the themes and stuff are, are like it's interesting and it's explored fairly well I guess but the thing that I really dislike about any kind of movie like this uh that deals with a that well especially that's pr- uh sort of projected as being a mystery and it's like kept mysterious in the in the uh, advertisements I hate the fact that it's sort of there is no mystery at the end of it. Like at the end of it, you know, everything that's yeah. happened, you know exactly what's going on. And it's like, I, pr- it was really engaging when it was a mystery, when it was still like just a weird phenomenon. And you don't a hundred percent know you see, you can assume things that are going on, but you don't know for sure. Like I was really into it. And then when, as soon as they, the sort of reveal that happens about what it actually is, I was like immediately less interested <laughs> In what that's, was going on. that's interesting because I I was not immediately less interested. I was immediately more interested because I think wow. like that direction. I don't, if it's not unique, it's unique to me. I, I certainly can't think of another uh, movie that handles sure. uh, the alien thing quite like this. It's a good um, idea. It's just I just I would rather have not known it. That's but, all. I would rather have it. I would rather not even that. I would rather it had shown me that than a character tell me that yeah you know what i mean like I would, that, I would, i'd rather be able to see that and say okay i can see that that's what's going on uh because the filmmaking is is like the language of the film is explaining that to me rather than a character's exposition this is and this is a problem this is a problem i have with us also where 
I like us in the same way I gave us the same four-star rating. I think it's doing a lot of things really well, and I think it is throwing too many ideas at the wall. Not all of them are working, but it's the same kind of thing where like, Jordan Peele is not he's not going to like let any theme escape us. There's not a subtlety to it. Mm. And I can appreciate that, but I also think it does make for really clunky uh, sections of movies and things that don't tie in well enough. And I, and so I said like, I was interested more interested at, like with the reveal, but then the movie becomes sort of, you know, this like third act, you know, climactic blockbuster thing. And, and that is, less interesting and and i did have a problem with you know like people still introducing ideas even at the end yeah like uh like the guy on the the e-bike shows up the yeah, that motorcycle was, and yeah, i don't i don't yeah and I don't I, know. you know it's like you're you're now overselling something that <laughs> like it was there and now it's too much but but uh, you know, I, overall, I agree. It's it's a it's a fine movie, and I I, I agree with us. Us is I actually don't like us as much. I I just watched I watched us yesterday or the day before, or maybe earlier than that. I don't even know when I watched it, but it was right after I watched Nope, and um, because I hadn't seen it before, mm. and it's this yeah, it's the same thing. It's got he's got this extremely high concept that's very mysterious, very strange. He's got things happening that don't make any sense. Which is interesting because you're like, wow, how does this go? How is this going to make sense? But then, and you want that explanation, but then when he gives it to you, it's not, it's just not that satisfying. Like, I, I was not as satisfying as the mystery of what it is, you know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that to me, like, that's most horror movies. Of course. Yeah. It's uh, most movies in any movie well, yeah. has a mystery. It's like that. So and they never, they always reveal. I, I, I like that that Peel is getting so much right for me, even if he's not mm-hmm. always landing the plane. I, you know, I, I don't, I need to rewatch get out. Like right now, I think I'd get out as like the lowest rated movie of his. And, oh, really? and just thinking about it, like that movie feels like the tightest and most cohesive. Yeah. I feel like memory. get out is the best mm. for sure. So I mean, yeah. and it probably, it probably is. I need to, I need to rewatch that. I have to rewatch it too, but yeah. I've been meaning to rewatch us and I need to rewatch get out at some point, but I'm, I'm fairly sure just, just because it's like, I don't know, like get out because it like open. It's the, it's the thing that opened the door for so many things that, uh, you know, and that can be a good or bad thing depending on, you know, the individual film or show. Um, but yeah, like that one was, I've seen it twice, but it's, yeah, like, it's very tight. It's very well put together. It's short, and it doesn't bombard you with so much. Because I remember thinking Us was like, oh, this is kind of more of a just straight-up slasher film. And, and there's it definitely like, is more straightforward horror than the other yeah. two. Well, yeah, that, and, like, some, some, some of the stuff was, like, uh, like some of the needle drops were a little okay that's a little cheesy and then like right at, right at the end i was like um like really a like 60s folk song like this is what you took from hereditary <laughs> not not the not the not the gloom and the <laughs> the acting and you know like uh the the storytelling of hereditary it was 
I did like yeah. the um the the score in Nope was good. It was like it was like a it had like a very like sort of bombastic classic Hollywood sort of thing going on, for, oh, yeah. especially in the third act, which was really oh, yeah. a lot of fun. And uh, I and I like the score for us. They're both by this guy uh, Michael Abels, but the score for us, especially in the early scenes, it's like just super rhythmic and sort of avant garde sounding. And I really enjoyed that too. So cool. Anyway, Kevin, what did you watch? So I finally got around to watching Wild Indian, and oh. I enjoyed it immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's been a while since you talked about it, John. So I'll say, um, so the movie starts with these two kids. One of them is being abused by his father, and um, doesn't really fit in at this. Ca- they're both um first nation kids um and they both go to this catholic school and they don't neither one of them really fit in but one of them just um he's really having a harder time and he ends up murdering one of his classmates um and his he and his friend cover it up then years later one of them is the one of them is a big success the other one is like just getting out of jail and so the kid who did the murder, he's now having to deal with what he did, even though he's now like super successful and has totally turned his life around. Um, yeah, like I like I told you guys uh, a while back when I watched it, like this thing was so perfectly paced. Like every scene takes exactly how long it needs to, and there's no fluff in it like at all. Um, like it probably would have been a five for me, except for like the kid who plays, um, the kid who plays Magua, I thought we was kind of, eh, he's very obviously a kid actor, but the two guys who played Teto, the younger and older, both of them were fantastic. Yeah, I agree. The yeah. older, especially the older Teto, I liked oh, yeah. a lot. I was really, yeah. yeah, his performance was great. Yeah, and like I am very much looking forward to whatever Lyle Mitchell does in the future, because me too. This was just great. Although I, I I will say I don't hear like you know I I didn't hear anything about this movie like I've never heard anybody talk about this movie, mm. and that worries me that like you know he, he won't uh, he won't get sort of noticed or get more budgets for more movies but i mean i hope he does because he's an interesting voice yeah and you know i'd like to think that with um you know with reservation dogs getting a Mm -hmm. second season i would like to think that you know um more of those kinds of movies and shows will be supported yeah, that would be great. Yeah, that'd be absolutely great. I mean, and and Prey also, the new Predator movie has oh, a yeah, lot of Native yeah. American actors in it. So I mean, right. maybe if it's successful, it can uh, booster more stuff like this. Also, mm. yeah, it's my yeah, number six awesome. uh, number six uh, movie of the of last year. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> Kevin, where'd you put it on your list? I didn't redo my list. Oh my god. <laughs> What a, sh- what a shame! You got, you what gotta redo the list now. <laughs> you don't redo the list; just add it to the list. Mm. <laughs> put put yeah. it somewhere. Yeah, you have to rewatch everything on your list, and then 
<laughs> did I even do a? Oh yeah, I don't even know if you did one, right? Because you you probably only had like five movies on it or something. Yeah, right? I mean, you, you yeah you, yeah you did one on this show. I don't know, or actually, you did do a top five on this show. Oh my god, we yeah. did ten and you did five. That sounds about right. Okay, yeah, I know I Macbeth was top. definitely on the top, but yeah, I I didn't do one on Letterboxd. I'm gonna have to go through and. For your guys' benefit, I will go back and I will make a top of thank you 2021. Kevin, thank I'm you. just like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to just like throw likes your way, you know, just <laughs> trying to hit that like button on Letterbox. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> you didn't like my three ninjas kick back. Where you at now, Jr? Didn't I? Okay, well that's a mistake, okay. and I'm gonna go back because I definitely saw it and I liked it internally. I just need to hit that button apparently. <laughs> Right. <laughs> hey, man, Zach Bronson liked my review for Raging Bull. That's what? pretty cool. <laughs> Zach Bronson, he's a um, he's on Film Junk sometimes, like every now oh. and then. He's like one of my favorite guys on uh, like one of the guest hosts. I really like him. Oh yeah. See the artist? No, no, no. That's um, that's Dax. Zach has I don't, I don't know what Zach does, but he has his reviews on Letterboxd are amazing. Like they're very clever and funny. And mm. anyway, um. Yeah, that's really cool. Anyways, uh, so I guess I'll, I'll I'll just say I watched Raging Bull since I'm looking at the review now. But um, and uh, sorry, Kevin, this is this is a five out of five, bud. <laughs> what what are you apologizing for? I'm I'm glad you liked it. I'm how glad you, it stayed a five. How is this not a five for everyone who's ever seen it? <laughs> I don't understand. I is this to, does this belong at the top of the Martin Scorsese list where where no. I've had it for a long time okay no not for me i mean taxi driver is better than this in my opinion but oh but um taxi driver and i mean this is better than silence but silence is hard to and 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 but like last temptation of christ is also like i think Mm. higher than this for me personally but that's like you know this is just so impeccably well made like it's you watch what scorsese and his editor are doing here and it's just like i mean game changing <laughs> like absolutely <laughs> awe inspiring some of the things that they're the cuts that they're making the shots that they're using the and in combination with the the the, the three sort of lead performances that are super super strong um from de niro pesci and moriarty just a just a beautiful film <laughs> absolutely stunning i watched the criterion 4k Mm. looks great every minute is wonderful it's like it's got the i was talking to jordan about it because jordan uh texted me and was like asking me if i he was like he's like he's asked me if i'd seen it before (laughs) it's like yeah dude i've seen it a lot but um it's like it's like are you sure you guys are friends (laughs) right i think it's like i'm an adult jordan (laughs) I think I watched this for the first time when I was like 17 or 18. So, but, um, which is probably late, honestly, but, uh, he, he had watched, I think he watched it for the first time relatively recently and he gave it a, he gave it four stars and he wrote in his review that he hated that main character, LaMotta and LaMotta is a very, you know, sort of irredeemable, despicable character, but I don't have, I mean, you know, that's not something that's going to drag us the star rating down like it's interesting to me that you you make a film centered around someone like that and you 
you make him the the hero of the film not that he's heroic at all but he's the central mm. focus of the of the picture you know and that's that alone is like reason to praise this film mm. but uh but yeah i i mean i just i don't know i like everything about it everything about it sometimes i think uh jordan and i are, are similar in the way that we we both will will latch on to like one element that just doesn't work and we mm. really will penalize the film for it. Sure. I Probably mean, more than, more than others. He didn't. And, and the fact that he didn't, he didn't drop it lower than four, which I can appreciate. Like if like, I, I would be a f- like, you know, more offended by his rating if he had given it like a three because of that, you know, but obviously he, I think in his mind, he's looking at it the same way I'm looking at it and saying, well, this is like a remarkably well-made film, but he just can't get past you know, for whatever reason, the the Jake LaMotta character being as sort of a scumbag as he is. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a difficult character, but that's, of course. Mm-hmm. you know, Martin Scorsese, you know, has long trafficked and difficult uh, protagonists. I, I agree. Yeah, for sure. Taxi driver, case in point. Taxi driver, but even then I was thinking about like, um, like another like another character. I was trying to think of a character that's irredeemable like jake lamada who doesn't have any sort of redeeming qualities and i thought of um henry plainview and there will be blood right this yeah is just a bad guy but then i thought the reason that he works maybe better for jordan or people like jordan who who have to need to you know identify morally with the central character the reason he might work better is because he has a foil that he works off of he has a villain there's a villain to his character mm. dano's character what the fuck is going on? I don't know. Is that your dog, Jamie? It's three dogs. <laughs> Why do you have three dogs? Oh, I, I have two. We're, we're dog sitting. That's all good. No big deal. It'll be done in a second once it's my all good. wife walks inside the house. Anyway, um, yeah, so I mean, I feel like there's no, there is no foil for Jake LaMotta in this movie. You know, except for these sort of people that you like and are and are completely innocent, like Joe Pesci and uh, Moriarty, mm. Vicky Lamada, and the brother Joey. Just a great picture. And John Turturro is in this. I don't know. <laughs> he's literally in one scene. He's almost got his back to the camera. You can see this is profile mm. in one scene. He's like yeah. sitting at a table with people. Pretty weird. Mm. Anyway. That's it. JR? Uh, yeah, I also watched uh, what will soon be on considered on the same level as a... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I can't, I can't even say what I was going to say. I watched The Gray Man on Netflix. Oh, I watched um, that too. Oh, no, sure. Okay. Yeah. Oh, did you give it a way worse rating than I did? Yes. I'm going to fucking kill these dogs. <laughs> So and here's here's my thing with the Gray Man, which is a um, you know like an action spy, you know cat and mouse thing like across mm-hmm. Europe, foreign identity type shit, but you know like not good. Um, <laughs> it, like I, I gave this movie three stars. I watched it pretty late at night. I don't know why. I Sarah went to bed and I was like, I need to stay up and watch the Gray Man. Like, you know, I'm just such a you, me, and Dupree fan that I'm just going to watch everything the Russo brothers ever make, you know? Um, and 
while I was watching it, I was like, okay, this is fine. This is, you know, keeps moving. I kind of think Ryan Gosling is enjoyable in moments. Uh, Anna de Armas just keeps being wasted in these weird supporting roles. I don't understand what her career is. And of course I didn't see things where she's the lead, like deep water. Cause apparently that's awful anyway. Um, Blonde is coming. Get ready. It's I'm ready cha- for that. Game changer. I'm, I'm very excited. For that. Uh, but yeah, I woke up the next morning and I just like, I had nothing like positive in my brain about this movie. <laughs> like I couldn't think of anything positive besides Ryan Gosling was enjoyable. Cause as I'm thinking about it, it's like, well, the action scenes were all like just disgusting CGI. Like there's this sort of like falling plane sequence that is, it's just all animated and it's gross. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't look good. There's a train sequence where again, like the train derails and everything just looks fake. Nothing is real. And there's all this fighting and there's no blood. Um, and like Chris Evans is like doing his knives out character, which I know everyone on the internet has already said. Um, but he's just like trying way too hard. And the whole thing is just like filmed by drones that are whizzing by. And it's just, oh, it's, the drone uh, stuff is out of control like, in this movie. And minus like the Chris Evans thing, like these are all, these are all the hits, all the film yak hits of like <laughs> why we, we won't enjoy an action movie. So I, I honestly don't know while I was watching it, what made me think it was okay. Cause part of, you know, I wanted, I want to break a rule and just like change my rating without watching it again, but I'm certainly not fucking watching it again. Yeah. I um, wouldn't put yourself through that. Mm-mm. But, and there's also like this, it's like this John wick element of it where, you know, like the, the assassin world is called to, to take out, uh, Ryan Gosling and then also Ryan Gosling like keeps getting injured and it's like a running bit like he just keeps getting beat to shit and beat to shit and that like John Wick has done that exact thing over the course of three movies actually but uh yeah it's just it's like all these tired tropes and shitty filming and uh three stars that can't be right that just can't be right I thought it was also uh extremely poorly written and structured like the weird flashback to set up that he has a relationship with Billy Bob Thornton's niece. Oh my God. Like what, like why do we need this? I mean, I understand why she's got a pacemaker, you dickhead. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, I agree. The the saving grace, if there is one is Gosling just like he, his presence is fun. You know, like I enjoy watching him. I, I like his lines are, are like, he delivers them in funny ways. Sometimes Chris Evans is absolutely terrible in this. And I agree. Anna de Armas has like nothing to do. And Jessica Henwick has nothing to do. And uh, but I actually think Jessica Henwick has Henwick. Sorry. Has the worst role in the film. Like I, yeah. I hated her character. She's just there to be like a buzzkill. Like mm-hmm. if, you know, Chris Evans is buzzkill, but like, she's also like, maybe supposed to be like the like the the one moral person in the the room for the cia and then they like completely turn that on its head at the end with some stupid shit it's just it's really stupid i and like her combined with the like roger jean page mm-hmm. character who's just like Carmichael. pure evil yeah <laughs> it's it's so <laughs> stupid <laughs> 
Guys, the dogs, now they're, I hear like, the dogs were barking at nothing. Nothing. One dog lost her mind, and so the other dogs lost their minds. At least now, like, I hear them, like, jumping. They're jumping on my wife. She's probably about to yell at them. Um, the, uh, just like, getting back to the film real quick. The, um, the baby and dogs. I just can't. Also, all this stuff with, uh, uh, like his, the flashbacks of how his, how he was abused by his father, <laughs> the Shea Wiggum character. Do you remember this? Yeah. So I actually, I didn't. So when I was looking at the cast list after I watched it, um, and I saw Shea Wiggum, I was like, wait, what was that? <laughs> Uh, and yeah, it was that, that one flashback scene because most of the flashbacks, not sorry, most of the times the dad is referenced, they're just like talking about yeah, him. Well, he, you hear his voice that. too in one in one scene. It's like you hear him like like flashbacks of just like audio of him screaming at him and stuff during certain scenes, and that's when I realized that too because I can I recognize his voice. But yeah, I also was like I remember <laughs> just like the strain of credulity when. Chris Evans is constant, like everything he does in this movie to accomplish his goal of killing Ryan Gosling is like a complete fail. Like he accomplishes nothing. He's the worst. Like everything he does just causes mayhem and people die. And like, yeah, but they constantly are like, no problem. Keep going. Get, get him. <laughs> well, that's, that, I mean, no I, to me, that makes like their, again, the Roger Jean, page character even more ridiculous because yeah. he's, oh, he's like yeah, he's, he's like keep moron. going keep right, going exactly why like i'm the dumbest evil person in the world <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah it's a terrible it's a terrible film it really is i mean it's just like and you think about it like i think i want to say that i read this was like their netflix's most expensive movie ever like i think it was 200 million dollars yeah, 200 million dollars can you imagine because like Jeez. you can barely tell they're on location like, yeah i agree just, like they might so, as well shot it on green screen because I agree. It's like it's there's so much CG during scenes that do not require any CG. Yeah, it's just it's bad. It's like Blade Two CG also. It's just it's, like, ooh, awful. It, yeah, I mean I I that plane sequence especially was when I was kind of like yeah. looking at my screen like what is going on? You're like this How is does definitely like a three. And, and yeah. <laughs> And that scene ends with, like, Ryan Gosling's the only one without a parachute, right? But only one other guy really makes it out of the plane with a parachute. And, you know, you see uh, Ryan Gosling do that thing where he, like, you know, puts his body a certain way so he can fly faster uh, Mm -hmm. to the guy that has a a parachute uh, backpack. And then it cuts to them on the ground with... Ryan Gosling calling Billy Bob Thornton and uh, the other guy like hanging from a tree. And, you know, I I think part of you, you can say like, Oh, they, you know, they want to show you that like, he's a badass. He lived through this, but they definitely just like, didn't want to animate anymore. (laughs) Like they're just like, all right, we spent like way too much money and time animating the rest of the sequence. So let's just not show him (laughs) actually doing something impressive. There are you've got a few uh, Russo brothers movies to catch up on. I know I actually haven't seen you, me and Dupree. I like. Oh really? Okay. 
You haven't seen <laughs> Cherry or Welcome to Collinwood. I don't know what the second one is. I, I don't think Welcome to Collinwood. It's yeah. a uh, it's got William H Macy and Sam Rockwell, and it's like a oh. crime caper comedy thing. I remember seeing the case of um, Blockbuster back in the day all the time. Mm. You know, I guess I'm just not the Marvel fanboy I thought I was. Well, you've seen all the Marvel films, I'm sure. So, yes. the four Marvel films they've done. Mm. Anyway. Uh, Kevin? Let's see. Uh, so, I rewatched. Oh, I'm sorry, Kevin. I'm sorry. Oh. JR, real quick. Will you watch the Gray Man sequel? Absolutely. That, that has and, been greenlit. And the spinoff. I don't know what the spinoff is or who the spinoff character is, but yeah, for sure. Oh, I didn't. I didn't hear about a spinoff. <laughs> Sequel mm. and a spinoff, both confirmed. It's got to be like Anna De Armas in the spinoff, because they I weren't they it, supposed to spin off her character from uh, James Bond, also. Oh my God, I don't know that poor woman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that poor, like most beautiful woman in the world. Yeah, she. <laughs> who, who's regularly getting work and paychecks? That poor woman. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, poor her. <laughs> No, I, yeah. I hope it's about the niece and her pacemaker. <laughs> There's a lot of directions we could go with that. Yeah, that would be uh, great. And her record collection. Jesus mm. Christ. <laughs> Way it loud. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Kevin. Go ahead. So uh, I rewatched uh, the original Get Carter with Michael Caine and Britt Eklund for like a scene and a half. Um, so Git Carter follows Jack Carter, who's a London mobster. He's going home because his brother has, is dead. Um, and he suspects foul play and he gets there and nobody wants to talk about it. The police are like, ah, he was drunk. And he starts to see how his town has slowly been taken over by a terrible element. And, um, you know, goes on goes on a you know little bit of a killing spree to to avenge his dead brother. Nice. Um, it's good. Um, Michael Caine has some he has some silly parts when he's like just like they're tr- they're trying to make him just be like super super mean. And like it doesn't always come across very well because he's like, you know, really twisting his face to make you look to make you know that he's angry. But then like um, but like there are others like the the scenes that he's like really sells it is when he's like just deadpan, like. Just no expression, just and looks just kind of mean. Um, and then there's another scene where he's like, um like he ends up watching this uh porno film and it turns out that his niece is in it. <laughs> he and it's like as he's watching it he just starts to cry and realizes how realizes how horrible things have gotten in this town and um but he just keeps watching it. <laughs> no, he tur- he turns he turns it off, grabs the grabs the lady that he was hooking up with out of her bath and puts her into into the trunk of his car drives drives it around for a little while and then he's he's on this uh he's on this ferry and uh these dudes are trying to kill him and they're like sorry about your call jack uh 
and they shove his car into the, uh, the river, I guess, while she's in it. <laughs> My God. And he just kind of looks at it like, it's okay with that. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> and then he moves on with his life. Better or worse than the 2000 remake with Sly? I I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with better because I remember it not being good, but I would have to watch it again. I saw Get Carter the remake on VHS when I was a teenager, but I have no memory of it at all. Yeah, I I remember like um, spoiler alert for this you know probably twenty year old movie. I remember Michael Caine ends up being like the bad guy. Um, Cliff Cliff Brumby. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like structured differently than the original, but um. Wait, he, Michael Caine's in it. In the, yeah, in yeah, he's, yeah, he's in the remake. Of course, Michael Caine's been do? around forever, in, and he's in the been year doing things forever. Yeah, he's yeah. got nothing going on. I feel like he was in yeah. an Italian job that year or something. No, that Which was later. He was also in the original yeah. of. I wonder if he's in the. In he's in the remake of Sleuth also. Yeah. Which yeah. I also watched. Italian Job is uh, 2003. Wait, he's in the remake. Mm. Who's yeah, the other? Is that Jude Law? He plays, he plays yeah, the Jude. Olivia character. Yeah. Right. Is it Jude Law with him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't appear to be in uh, Italian Job, guy, mm. the remake. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Get Carter's worth watching. Uh, it's not amazing, but, you know, three and a half. I might uh, I might check it out at some point. It's sort of been on my back burner radar for a while. Yeah, it's on HBO Max. So oh, okay, well easy. Thank you to it. Well, um, HBO Max exists. Okay, I uh, I watched uh, Fallen Angels, the Wong Kar Wai. Um, I don't know what you call this. A th- it's sort of a thriller, but you know. It's by one car movie. Yeah. yeah, it's not really good. It's not really that thrilling, but I don't think it was mm. what he's going for. So anyway, um, this is part of my criterion challenge, which I thought I was going to beast out a bunch this week, but I only watched like two or three. It's uh, I got, I really gotta, I gotta get on this, but, uh, this movie is why I didn't get more watched because I watched this movie, which was not not bad. Like I don't. I'm not a big Wong Kar Wai guy. You guys know. And this was uh, probably the best one I've seen so far. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I know you guys don't agree with that. But uh, I really enjoyed like the cinematography in this one. Like he's shooting like these really really wide angles, mm. and uh, it's very kinetic and very interesting. And uh, I liked the. Uh, I liked. I, I hate his sort of whatever you call it, like bicameral, like two stories going on. Like he just, he just abandons a story like midway through and just starts telling a totally different story with different characters. Like, I, I just like, there's this, there's this homeless guy in this who's like, uh, opening people's businesses at night and like doing business out of their, like out of their shops. And I'm like, that guy's not nearly as interesting as the hitman character. And yet, for some reason we just stopped paying attention to the hitman character and now we're only focused <laughs> on this guy. And I'm just like, I don't want this guy, <laughs> but, uh, I did find the action scenes, you know, uh, clearly inspired by John Woo 
Mm. Very, very violent. Very enjoyable. And, uh, oh, look, it even says in the, in the synopsis, in this bifurcated crime narrative. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so the, yeah. this is what the reason I didn't watch more Criterion stuff is because I immediately had to rewatch Better Tomorrow Part 1 and 2. Oh, uh, nice. John Woo action classics. And Better Tomorrow 1 is like, it's not that great. It's kind of slow, and there's not really that much action in it. Mm. A Better Tomorrow 2 is an absolute blast. <laughs> it is so ridiculous and violent and full of action. And Chow Yun-Fat just screaming and shooting double nine millimeters at people way too much. Like he just like he shoot a guy like four times. Okay. The guy's dead. He just empties the clip it to him as he's falling down. And you're just like, doesn't, shouldn't you conserve your ammo? But he doesn't care. And it's just the, <laughs> the, the original bullet ballet. It's, it's mm. a lot of fun. This, this one, I can't recommend it enough. Ah. A better tomorrow too. So good. And, uh, it's sort of like as this ridiculous like like Chalian Fest character in the first Better Tomorrow dies. So in this one they had of course they have to bring him back, so he's his long lost twin brother. <laughs> he's running a restaurant in New York, so they have to go get him and bring him back to Hong Kong to fight the wow. bad guys. It's great oh. though. It's really good. <laughs> you don't come to this movie for the uh, for the plot, really. You know, you're coming for those action <laughs> scenes that are just phenomenal. And apparently, uh, Sue Hark, who co-wrote this, I think, or co-produced it, yeah, produced it and co-wrote it, and apparently, like, recut it without John Woo's permission. Like, John Woo hates this movie, apparently. Oh. But um, Sue Hark directed a Better Tomorrow three, so mm. I'm gonna have to get on that one next. Uh, He's also awesome, by the way. So you say, but like I, the only movie I've seen by him is uh, fucking um, what's that movie called? The Van Damme movie, Double Team. Oh, I saw Knock Off too. These are two oh Van Damme. These are terrible films. You saw his two American movies. Yeah. <laughs> what's good, Detective? D- oh, I saw Detective D. I've seen this. This movie's terrible too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think that movie's terrible. Uh, but his. He's got a lot of work through the 80s and 90s that are very good. Give me one. I mean, the whole like Jet Li series, Once Upon a Time in China. Okay, I'm gonna watch. Those are really good. That's his highest rated. Uh, uh, Zoo Warriors, I think, is is kind of in that a better Tomorrow Two zone of like it's an absolute blast and it's just like it's a it's like that wuja genre. So Mm. you know, more fantastical. Zoo Warriors. Let me try and look for that. Mm. I'm going to watch uh, A Better Tomorrow 3, Love and Death in Saigon soon. It's a prequel. Uh, oh, and sorry. His best movie mm. is absolutely Peking Opera Blues, which is, uh, in my opinion, like the, I don't know, a top 20 movie of the 90s. Mm. Well, okay. <laughs> oh, Zoo Warriors. Here we go. Where, where, what is the one you just said? Peking Opera Blues. Peking. Oh, yeah. Didn't you talk about that on the show? Yeah, because I love it. Yeah. All right. Cool, man. Yeah, I'm gonna check out some of these. I mean, I'm not saying like I, I, you know, I'm not assuming he's garbage just because of those movies. But I just remember I was like looking. I was like, oh yeah, because I, th- I, I thought I remembered you saying that he was good. And then I looked and I was the first thing I saw was he directed Double Team with Dennis right. Rodman. I was like, oh my god, this guy's <laughs> garbage. <laughs> no, and he's he's and he's been making some garbage lately. Like I think his latest movie was like very much like a Chinese state, like propaganda war movie. Oh. Uh, 
So he's been sucked into into that hole, like uh, Yikes. like Zhang Yimou as well, which is a bummer. But oh yeah, yeah the uh, the Great Wall didn't Zhang Yimou do that? Yeah, that's not even movie. that's not even like oh, what I'm yeah. thinking of. He's he's done some other stuff that will never get released here. That's like just. But I mean, the the Great Wall was like a like their attempt at like a Hollywood co-production because they've got this big American star to be in it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. They wanted to. Yeah. That movie yeah. was bad. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Movie was bad. <laughs> How's the blade? Is that good? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, this one looks, this looks interesting. See, I'm, so in uh, the blade is on my computer still, I think. Maybe. I probably have it on my Plex drive. So, well, yeah, yeah. some of some of these I might be able to send to you if you can't find them. Uh, okay. I remember Zoo Warriors being a challenge to find. I know I had to like uh, like a friend on this weird forum sent me a Green Snake, which I otherwise couldn't find. That's another one that I that I like a lot. Anyway, there's mm. been a lot. Of, I've apparently seen 29 of this guy's movies. That Jesus <laughs> Christ! Wow. Whoa. I've seen three, so. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, Kevin. Oh, real quick, I will. I will say that um, at least still try to watch uh, Happy Together. And if you don't like that one, then you're probably you're probably good for good on Wong Kar Wai. Unless yeah, you, yeah. Still, I'm still going to watch Happy Together because I remember you cool. telling me to watch that last. And time, that so. one. So the bifurcated thing is really just Fallen Angels and Chunking Express, I think. Yeah, Fallen Days of Being Angels, Wild. Like... Yeah. Days of Being Wild has multiple stories, but they're, you know, it's set up that way. For, yeah. Well, from apparently, the it's not just two. I was reading about Fallen Angels and it was saying that he he meant it to be the third the third story was the Hitman yeah. story in Chunking Express, but then he yeah. decided that Chunking Express was complete without it, so. Yeah. Which is fine cuz Chunking Express was, you know, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of it. It was already like long, so <laughs> it's like a whole hundred minutes, I think. Yeah, it's way too long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, all right, Kevin, uh, sorry. Oh, uh, let's see. What else did I watch? Oh, um, <laughs> so, um, so. Sharon and I finally finished watching this movie Voyeurs on Amazon starring uh, Sydney Sweeney and a couple other people who I don't know if they're like big names or not. Anyway, so it's sort of this rear window type story where this couple moves into this apartment and they start to see all the various unfolding dramas that are going on in the other apartments across from them one of them catches their eye it's this photographer who's like cheating on his wife and um so they decide that they you know no we shouldn't be no we shouldn't be watching this yeah let's keep watching it and um so it takes a it takes a dramatic turn when they decide like oh let's go crash this couple's halloween party so we can put in a a device that will let us listen in to what's going on in their apartment and from there sydney sweeney starts to befriend the uh 
the wife, and then she takes it a step further. She wants she's you know having a crisis of conscience, and she wants to let the let the wife know that um, she's being cheated on. So she just airdrops into her printer. And it's like, your husband's cheating on you. There's a condom in the trash can. And then, um, like, <laughs> so the wife grabs some scissors and, or a knife, and she's thinking, like, she's looking like she's about to stab uh, the husband, but then she doesn't. And then Sydney and her boyfriend go to bed, and they wake up in the morning and find out that instead of killing the husband, the, w- the wife kills herself. Jesus. So then <laughs> it just keeps going, and it gets more and more absurd. Sydney Sweeney's character just keeps getting more and more involved when she shouldn't be. The boyfriend, her boyfriend leaves at this point because he can't deal with it anymore. Um, But she just keeps getting involved more and more. And so by this time, we're an hour and a half into a two hour movie. Jesus. Yeah. So then the plot twists start to happen. And I say twists because there's more than one. And at the like zero hour, all these twists are happening, and it's also like trying to, you know, um, do this sort of like um, commentary on not just voyeurism, but also like um, people not reading the fine print and. It ends really, really lamely, and it just um, – yeah, it was really, really bad at the end. It's not a recommend, so, huh? Hard no. This was this was a one out of five. Like, it, like the first hour or so, it's like, okay, let's see where this goes. And then from you know, there, it just steadily goes down, and it's just like by the end of it, both of us were like, what? Ugh. So, yeah, it was. Sounds yeah. like you guys should have just watch Disturbia. No, mm-hmm. we sh- no we um we should have watched um. Oh, what was no, it? No, Disturbia is the first movie of its kind to do something like this. <laughs> yeah, totally. There's there's never been a movie called Rear Window. <laughs> yeah, we should have watched Days of Being Wild. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. shorter and it's just a better movie. Anyway, All right. uh, that's uh, on Amazon. JR? <laughs> I was wondering how many rounds you were going to skip me, but OK. We didn't skip you, did we? Yeah, it's all right. Sorry, no, I, I, it's my it's my punishment for having all the microphone troubles. I, I accept it. Um. So I'll do, I'm going to do a quick TV, TV rundown, you know, because I'm always like, I don't watch TV. And then sometimes I'm like, well, I watch TV right now again. Um, but I watched three FX seasons. Um, I started Reservation Dogs like right when it started and never finished it. But finally got around to finishing season one and I watched the first two episodes of season two. 
And it's just such like a, a wonderful comedy. And I, I understand that, you know, it's like it's comfort with, you know, following very specific and sometimes like fringe characters without worrying about what you know the main characters are up to and like not having to have, you know, this specific, you know, ABC plot structure is, uh, you know, something that like Atlanta is already doing. But I don't care. It's just it's so charming. I love every character. They're awesome. Um, I watched The Bear, which is just like a, just a, this like very stressful just like blast. Like I absolutely loved the flow of the show, which um, is constantly moving very quickly like within the episode. Every episode feels stressful to me. Running a restaurant is stressful. Being on a kitchen line is stressful, and you always feel that. Um, but I also love... Like, I love the things that happen off camera and are not commented upon. Like the restaurant changes a lot over the course of a season. Um, and it's like honestly confusing. Like at the beginning of the season, they don't open for lunch. Like they open at like 3 p.m. in the afternoon. But by episode five, they're like, if we miss a lunch service, we will close. Uh, which, you know, well, they just, talk, uh, don't they talk about that? I mean, cause she doesn't she want them to open for lunch? Yeah, that I mean, like, so, so ideas are introduced, but, like, we yeah. never see uh, Carmi, the chef, like, confirm that he's going to take those ideas. Right. Well, ne- not never. We do hear him agree to some of them. But um, the seventh episode where they um, where they take the idea of, you know, doing to-go orders and they set up, like, a an online order thing and they, like, left a setting open where... You could like set pre-orders, so they like just turn on the machine and it prints out like 70 tickets instantly. Uh, was like just some of the most like triggering shit I'd ever seen in my <laughs> yeah, life. Yeah, it was, it was brutal. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Um, and that was, you know, like that's filmed to look like one take. Uh, but I didn't, I honestly didn't even notice while it was happening because I was just so stressed out. Anyway, I love the performances. I love all of them. I will follow wherever this show goes. I like it so much unless you know next season it sucks but hopefully it doesn't um <laughs> which it very well could yeah i mean who knows the uh and then i watched the old band uh which was seven oh. episodes yeah yeah, yeah it's I not watched, over yet though right no i mean i think it's already been renewed for seasons two and three no but i mean i'm saying i don't think oh, it's not all, over no there's there's another episode coming. what there's gotta I be totally, i totally thought that was the end no, you might be right. I, I might be wrong. Maybe it is the end. I, I just I went in. I went into watching it this week thinking that it was done. And if it's not done, I'm an idiot. But we know that I often am that. So no, I'm, no, no, no. I mean, maybe I'm just completely. I thought, I thought they were saving what comes next for for season two. I'll see. I didn't. I because I was just. I didn't even know it was renewed. I was assuming it was a one and done thing because of. It says episode guide eight episodes. Okay, so there must be. Oh one no no no! Oh episode episode eight is in season two. They've got they got episode two point one listed. Wow! So that's okay. why it's eight episodes. That's I'm not the dummy. All stupid. Right. <laughs> Dude. Uh, so I was like sending some pretty trolling texts. I didn't mean anything that I was saying. Like where I was, <laughs> I was shitting. I was shitting on the pilot of this episode of this series. Uh, I thought the pilot was uh, quite strong. I really like the way 
Jeff Bridges' character is introduced. Um, you know, he's got there's a suggestion of of depth and also like these real like mental struggles and and mental ailments that are you know possibly going to come up during the uh, the course of this season. And um, but then they don't. Those things are like never brought back up again. I think uh, at some point in the first episode, it becomes like a pretty standard like spy type of deal. Like this mm. is not like this is sort of a similar plot to the the Gray Man, like just with the, the pieces <laughs> that are involved, but like with old people. And it, obviously, it's like it's nothing like the Gray Man. In the way it's no, I, but, yeah, uh, I understand what you're saying. The trolling like, continues. Yeah. But I mean, it's not going to show. Like we have like the cat and mouse thing. We've got the 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 operative that's on the run um you know because his i mean th- it wasn't like a surprise but his government like is is not into what he's been doing lately uh or what he was doing a while ago and um i i do just think like as the show goes on it just starts to feel like more and more generic like and just kind of like it is just this this spy show with old people at a certain point and like Jeff Bridges is, is badass. Yes. Um, but there are some reveals and stuff with his daughter that I just felt like they were barely like the show treats them as reveals, but it's kind of like, I mean, like were you listening in the previous episode? Cause it yeah. kind of feels like that gave that away. And then I thought it was pretty obvious that the reveal you're talking about, and I was not a fan of the, that I was, I remember thinking like, if that ends up being the case, which it seems to be like, it's going to be a, a blow against the show for me because yeah, I, I, it feels really ridiculous. But outside of that, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't think the show is like, I'm, you know, Oh my God, it's like one of the best shows. It's just like, a, it's very entertaining. It's very yeah. watchable. And I really like the, all the flashback stuff in Afghanistan. I really enjoy. I like the young version of him, the guy who Bill Heck, who plays the young bridges character. And I like uh, all the sort of uh, sexual politics between the, the the wife of the warlord and the warlord himself and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I do like I like the the flashback stuff uh, more as well. But I don't like that in the seventh episode. It seems like like we've been given all this context for one reveal that again just doesn't mm-hmm. work for me. Um, and that so yeah, I don't know. This was seven hours that like i think that the first hour just like starts really big and it's really good and then it just kind of for me just like deflated over the course of six more hours well yeah i i also feel like it it would have i think it would have been stronger if they would have been working towards a definitive ending uh like as a miniseries like of this season you know because yeah. i was i was expecting episode eight to come along and there to be a confrontation and the end of the story you know no we're not going to get that for like another two years, probably. Which seems insane because it's like, how much more could you possibly do? Like the way it ends, I'm just like, I don't. It feels like it's ending right before a, the final action scene of a, of a movie, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And it's like, is like, is John Lithgow going to be part of uh, like the the rest of the series, like? Yeah, that's a good question. Because, you know, like again, these characters are all tied together in a very specific way that just doesn't feel like it can keep going. But 
Whatever. How'd you feel about uh, Alia Shawcat's performance? Um, I was mostly fine with the performance. I thought, uh, I think it was episode five where, or maybe it was six, where she has to have like her big conversation with John Lithgow. I was like, I honestly thought she was just like given some of the worst dialogue of the season. Mm. Um, so when I didn't like her, I felt like it was because of the writing. Uh, but I, I feel like I generally just like her. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm a big fan of hers. But yeah, I was seeing a lot of sort of uh, the reviews that I saw were not fans of her performance in this. But I, I, I didn't have a big problem with it. I just think that her character is, like, again, that just that twist is so ridiculous. It just feels like a feels like a soap opera, you know, like. Yeah, I mean, it. Yeah. Once they explain everything, it sort of makes sense, but even then, it's just like it's unbelievable. I don't, I just don't believe it at all. But anyways, um, I guess. Uh, well, Kevin, you have other things to say? Other things to talk about? Movies? Um, just the um, I watched the first two. Uh, well, as it turns out, um, the I watched the first three ninjas and oh. the. Three Ninjas Kick Back is actually the third in sequence, but it was the second one that was released. Um, apparently, <laughs> Knuckle Up, the one that was released, is the third. They shot it like pretty much straight after the first one. But for some reason, the second one couldn't get a distribution. There's something with like distribution that happened, even though the first movie made like – its budget was like five million, and it made like twenty five million at the yeah. box office. So I don't know what happened. Like Wikipedia was no help. <laughs> um, but yeah, the first one is pretty lame. Like uh, the jokes, the jokes don't really land. Uh, and like the the way the way they, I don't know. Maybe it's just a nineties thing. The way they treat like bullying and stuff. Um, it, and it's way more true in in the uh in kickback where like there's like very like during this baseball game it's like very obvious that this other team is like really trying to do everything that they can to just be terrible but all of the adults are just somehow looking the other way and it's like really lame and really horrible especially when you start to think about like okay like this is how bullying is treated it's like and, and and then like you know their FBI father is like this ninja stuff is terrible and like all they want to do is fight because they're taking this ninja stuff. It's like no because you're a shitty dad. Um, <laughs> does he sound yeah. like that in the movie? Sports parents. No, he doesn't insane. actually sound like that. Okay. Just so you know. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. sports parents are insane. You're supposed to yeah. treat each other poorly to to get that competitive edge. You know, parents are always like. Coach, you got to be harder on my kids. You know, like call them fucking pussies. They're seven. They need, they need, you know, that encouragement of treating them like shit. Uh, so, you know, it makes sense they treat each other like shit. Sounds like this yeah. is just a 90s thing. Definitely. Yeah. Or a sports thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. They're pretty bad. I'm not really looking forward to rewatching knuckle up and then watching high noon on mega mountain for the first time with the, with that jabroni Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Dude, this, uh, is, this is like a, 
You're not it baffles me too. Like you have to watch these. You do have. I mean, to. I don't have to, but I'm I'm choosing to because I'm just genuinely interested because okay. like these were things that I watched regularly when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, along with like you know the Ninja Turtles movies and Surf Ninjas, which like first Ninja Turtles holds up. It's amazing. Second one's okay, but Surf Ninjas is still amazing. <laughs> amazing. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that's I love Sega. It. Yeah. Sega, was it the Game Gear he's got? Is Game Gear, yes. Yeah. Yes. Not a Game Boy. Yeah. Um, I mean, Surf Ninjas was a huge deal in my childhood as well. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, I certainly was watching these ninja movies. Um, you know, there's a point where you can go too far. Like, if you rent or stream, like, the Chuck Norris uh, sort of co-starring sidekicks movie, like, you know, you've oh, gone yeah. too far. That movie is all about bullying, though. I think it's just a Karate Kid ripoff. I mean, I'm that sure it right. is. Yeah. I feel bad for Jonathan Brandis, the kid who was in that movie, because he's in a lot of stuff, and, like, apparently his uh, career was really not going well, um, and then poor kid killed himself. Oh, shit. I was going to say, yeah. I don't feel bad for him, but I didn't know that part. He yeah. uh he was great in sidekicks. Loved him in sidekicks. Oh, okay. So you, so you guys are fans, okay? I haven't seen it. I've only seen him in sidekicks and in Sequest. He was in Sequest with Roy yeah. Scheider back yeah. in the day. Okay. TV show. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. He was he was he was like huge in our childhood, and I I didn't even realize yeah, he killed sure. himself until like two or three years after it happened. So yeah, yeah, but his career yeah. like petered out for sure. Yeah, because I think, like, uh, what was that, Behind Enemy Lines or something? That Gene Hackman, Owen Wilson movie? Yeah. Apparently, he had, like, a thread in that movie. and Oh, like, really? Yeah, and apparently, he thought that it was going to, like, really kind of help him out. Um, but then they just nixed the whole thing, and so... Oh, that sucks. Yeah. never saw that, I don't think. I did. Me neither. You, you don't need to. It's okay. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, uh, you know uh, what's weird... Is uh, okay. So I don't. I'm not gonna talk about this movie, but I watched. Um, I watched the Paul Schrader film Dark, which is his experimental cut of Dying of the Light, mm. uh, the Nicolas Cage thriller that he released back in 2014. Yeah. And I logged Dark, which is terrible, by the way. But I logged it, and now it's coming up that I logged Dying of the Light. And dark isn't even an option anymore. It's not even on here. So they probably, someone probably removed, like mm. Letterbox, like mods will remove things every once in a while, That's since stupid. like anyone can add things on TM, right? DB mm. or whatever it is. Um, a lot of people will add like TV shows, and Letterbox is pretty good about going through and deleting those. But see, they should have dark as an option because I mean, it is a film. It's a separate film. It's not the same thing. But um, I don't. I don't think they do other director's cuts. Like, I don't think, you know, you can't log like the Cottonwood Club Encore edition that uh, right like came mm. out two years ago. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah, that's all. Um, yeah. So I guess we should talk about uh, Hell or High Water, Kevin. Sure. And I'll I'll be right back while you guys okay. Okay. Um, so we had to watch Hell or High Water because we lost Letterboxd Roulette. Mm. 
This is from 2016, directed by David McKenzie, and this is a rewatch for me, but you hadn't seen this, right, Kevin? Right, this was first time. And uh, this is a bank robbery film set in West Texas and mm-hmm. uh, starring Chris Pine and Ben Foster and Jeff Bridges, mm-hmm. uh, among others. How'd you? Uh, oh, it's written by Taylor Sheridan of Sicario fame. Mm-hmm. How'd you feel about this one, my guy? I thought it was okay. Um, I thought it was longer than it needed to be. Um, like I thought, um, yeah. Like as as far as like, comp- I mean, you've seen more of Taylor Sheridan's work than I have, but like I thought it was. I don't know. It seemed like this was like more of like a writing experiment because like most of the characters are kind of like, you know, you've seen these characters before you've seen these um, scenarios before, like, like Ben Foster's character. Like you just, you just know that like, yeah, he's going to be dead at the end. And, you know, of course, uh, and Chris Pine, his brother, you know, he's like, he's got to stick with him to the bitter end, even though, you know, he hates him and, uh, He's doing it for a good reason too. Like that's yeah, the other yeah. thing. It's like they're they're like bank robbers with hearts of gold. Yeah, which yeah. is like I I think that um I don't have a massive problem with that. I guess I do think they're like they're way too archetypal. Like mm. the fact that Ben Foster is such he's playing that hothead, crazy wild man to Chris Pine's super subtle you know, mm. subdued uh, brother. It's sort of like the, the dynamic that we were talking about in Nope. Oh, yeah. You've got yeah. the siblings, and one of them is really over the top, and one of them is really calm. And I think it actually mm. works better in this movie than it does in Nope, but mm. because, it you know, it causes there to be issues between them. Yeah. And, uh, but but I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it's Ben Foster is a little bit much in this movie. Yeah, for like, sure. He just needs to relax. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a little bit much in most stuff, I think. Like, he's, he yeah. tends to play it over the top, but, boy, he's just out of control. And Yeah, like that scene where he beats up the dude, uh, um, you know, drags him out of his, like, I don't know, Ferrari or, like, some Chris, muscle Chris car. Chris Pine like, is the one who beats him up. Oh, my bad. Yeah, but yeah. he does start that because he's, like, an- egging oh, yeah, the guy yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. But I actually don't mind that scene only because I think it's yeah. interesting. It's interesting from a perspective of like like thinking about Ben Foster's mindset or his character's mindset. His character's name is Tanner. His mm-hmm. mindset in that in that scene of like here are these gangsters. Like these guys are like gangsters, you know what I mean? Like they're right. they have guns and they're in a they're in like a green muscle car you know and they're listening to hip-hop and they're like they're but then he's probably thinking these guys aren't the i'm the real gangster i'm the one actually i'm robbing banks like i'm you know i have weapons on me too and i'm i'm ready to actually use them they're not just for show Mm. and i don't have to posture like these guys are which is why he feels so sort of better than them i think yeah for sure yeah, I don't know. I, 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 the movie uh, was better for me this time than it was last time. It didn't go up mm. star rating wise, but I just, I didn't have as many issues with it. I think my biggest issue overall, honestly, is that 
they get Nick Cave and Warren Ellis to score this thing, and then they barely use the score. They have all these horrible needle drops of like this alt country rock stuff. I, oh, it's bad. It's gross. Yeah. Really, really bad. Yeah. Like it's like, you know, I think like Nick Cave is like, uh, Australian and Mm. I don't know what, uh, Warren Ellis is, but like, I think he is too. Okay. But yeah, it sounds, it sounds like, like, I don't know, like they got a hold of like some like recordings, some like country recordings from like, I don't know, the 30s or 40s. And then like, you know, this is what American country music is like. And it's like, it's nothing like that at all. It's just really, yeah, all the songs were absolute garbage. But, um, yeah, I also, uh, I like that the film starts after, like it starts with two bank robberies, which is interesting Mm. too. Like the fact they go through two whole bank robberies where they even show the title card. But yeah, (laughs) but I like the idea that it starts after they've already committed and made the decision to start doing this. So you don't get a lot of this sort of boring buildup of like, you know, showing their bills piling up or something or like showing the Mm -hmm. mother dying and like, Oh, what are we going to do? And then Ben Foster has to convince him to let's do this. Let's, this is a good idea. Like I could, that's so You've seen it done that way a hundred times, and I like this is like way more interesting because it just gets you right into the sort of thick of the action, and I like yeah. the um the car driving scenes. Like any, there's like two at least two uh, occasions in the film where I can specifically remember like their like the camera is following on a car behind their car, like real close, and they're driving really fast through alleys and stuff. Mm. And then all of a sudden the, the car that their car will pull like onto a street and this car will somehow, I guess the camera pivots around this car or something and then it goes like into their window almost. And like mm. you hear them talking with dialogue and I, was like, I thought that was really impressive and interesting. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So Jeff Bridges playing that same Southern guy he's been playing since, uh, since uh yeah. that heart movie crazy heart yeah crazy heart yeah i was i was just thinking about that uh like um like i saw that they um they apparently canceled this bat woman or bat girl, oh, yeah, bat girl movie yeah. and like i saw this meme with like um jeffrey are Bruce, we getting Jeff into Bridges. it what yeah we are getting um, into hbo max okay but um yeah jeff bridges's character in the first iron man and how like that was like that's like the one character that he's played like since crazy heart that's not yeah because like you look at like his other performances like way back in like you know the 70s and 80s like he's not this country old yeah he can speak without that mumbly um, yeah, yeah. Uh, he wasn't. It was, he was like his tongue has been cut off. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't mumbly in Tron Legacy, was he? Mm, I, don't I don't remember. Think so. He is a little bit though. Like even in the Old Man, which is ridiculous because like I don't know why. Like what what his character has done to have affected his voice this way, you know? Because <laughs> like they flash back to him as the, and he has a little bit of a country twang as the young version of mm. him in that show, but like. Well, I mean, I just don't like he's it's like he'll you look at him and he's like he's he's all he's got like no top teeth. It looks like he's like, I I don't understand what Um, he's doing. But in the old man, a couple 
couple of things here. Go and ahead. the old man, you know, David Chase is a character that he's playing and he's been playing. However, is his name David Chase? Yeah, that's the name of like his, his sure? family persona. Yeah, isn't it? David Chase is the creator of Sopranos. Uh, it's so it's. I feel like something, it is it's Chase something, something. Chase. Yeah. Maybe you're yeah. right. Maybe it is. I mean, you maybe the book me, predates uh, Sopranos. Mm, Not that I, I mean that's a real guy. So. But the uh, yeah. But re- regardless, Dan, like, he Dan does Chase. Dan Chase. God damn it. Mm. <laughs> All right. But he like when he's when he's the businessman persona. Sure. He doesn't change his voice at all. No. <laughs> no, it and uh, I did notice he has an old man six pack. Oh, he's ripped up, man. And that's oh, it's wow. interesting that you it's say weird. that. Because... How can you be like so? He's like both old and flabby, but also full six pack. Well, but he, like, uh, but it's not know, a young this... man six pack. It's old. In Hell or High Water, he's he's got like he's like fat a little bit, mm. you know, like he's still yeah. got that, like, you know, that physique yeah. of like super old man. He's not super fat, but he's like fat. And, um, I, he got, you know, he got diagnosed with cancer and I'm sure that that's like, he probably lost weight during the chemo. And that's why he looks like thinner now. Yeah, but you, don't you, get a, you don't get a six pack. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm sure he worked out. I'm sure, you know, he probably made yeah, mean, for the role. I mean, he's got, he's got to be pretty physical in, in the, in Oh the yeah. Show. I mean, he, he, you know, he's an old man manhandling people for sure. Mm. I love. I, I don't even know. I, I would be uh, interested to know if you even noticed this, Jar. But in the first episode, when he's fighting with that guy, when he's rolling around on the ground with him, and he's trying to choke him out, and he grabs his jacket. Oh, I love that. How good is that? <laughs> that was so. No, I I took instant note of that because because yeah. I was paying so much attention because I was again like while I'm watching this I'm crafting troll texts to you like, <laughs> like how like oh are, are we sick of long shots and stuff but you know then he grabbed the jacket and I was like oh that's good <laughs> that is good eh? that's good oh, yeah I really enjoyed that I mm. slip on that fabric I have um I have two more notes about. Uh, hell or high water which is that laundering money using a casino brilliant idea. Mm. like totally. they, they go to the casino with the cash they check they they cash it in when they get the chips and they gamble a little bit and then they go cash it back out good idea yeah. right yeah feels like it would work i'm sure more people have to be doing this you would think yeah. so yeah and also i really enjoyed the um the scene between chris pine's character and his son when he talks to his son about like you're going to hear bad things about me. And mm. his son says, I won't believe it. And he goes, no, you believe it. I did it all. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's just a good line. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's a it's certainly watchable. And I, and I also That's think, good. uh, I think bridges is his performance is is solid and maybe mm. better than this movie really requires. Like he gets emotional at the end, like when his, Oh yeah, yeah. Get shot and and also after he shoots, um, Foster's character, mm. his sort of emotional breakdown and on the rock there. I liked all that. I thought that really worked well. Mm. So, I would definitely watch this again at some point in the distant future. Sure. All right, uh, Jerry, you have anything else? Uh, I didn't talk about it. I, I watched Top Gun. Um, oh, yeah. And you know, again, I. It's just is really important to make it to the theater, or else you know Tom Cruise would revoke your your like movie fan card. Um, so 
you better hurry up, Kevin. Um, you know, it's like you did it. You did it. Come true. You, you made a movie. Um, there, there are no, there are no you like characters. You made a movie. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's a, it's a movie, you know, like capital M. And, uh, I, I just think the Top Gun music theme is, is just like deeply annoying. Um, yeah. I think a lot of the, the non-characters in this movie are annoying. Like, I don't really understand why they made Glenn Powell such an asshole if they were also going to make him just like a pointless presence. Uh, and like Miles Teller just gets to like scowl and be a buzzkill and the climax involving Teller and, and, and Tom is just like unearned, but none of it matters because the plane, the plane fighting sequences are are tight. Do you guys see this picture I sent you in the chat? Okay. Look at the the guy in the middle. Like, look at his abs. They're like super bizarre. Like he looks like he's been injured. Let me navigate there. Why can't I find it? Whoa, yeah. Yeah, like, what's wrong with him? <laughs> Whose abs have you sent? Oh, oh uh, is it Glenn Powell? I think it's Glenn Powell, yeah, the, yeah, the his, asshole guy. Well, his torso is just kind of... It's weird. Either his torso is um, too long, based on the like angle mm. of the photo, or his torso is just too long, and also um, an alien ate out the center of his torso. Right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Or not, not his torso, his stomach. It's yeah. just really strange. I remember seeing this picture on social media and just like, what in the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm sure he can look better than this if he, you know, depending on the angle and maybe how he's flexing and stuff. But yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Like, anyway, you, sorry. Have you seen Glenn Powell in anything else? No. I, I mean, I feel like I have. He looks familiar, but like, I don't know. He's in uh, Everybody Wants Some or Everyone oh. Wants Some. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's I one of the baseball players. Yeah. I think he's, he's really good in that. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, he's like he's one of those guys that I think Hollywood's like are trying to make him happen. It's maybe just like not quite happening. And I don't know. He's definitely like they attempt to make him the Iceman of this movie, but they don't give him enough of a role to do that. But the problem with that is like no one gets to have a role because it has to just be about Tom Cruise. Like right. he's there to teach, except. Actually, he's not. He's there to be the hero, and he has to be the hero. And uh, I don't know. I guess my my positive here is that uh, I just find it totally impossible to not fall in love with Jennifer Connelly, no matter what kind of character she's playing. And all she is is like an emotional sounding board for Tom Cruise. But uh, that is just a a lovely, lovely woman, and I don't give a shit. Like uh, she's like she won an Oscar for just such a garbage movie and it's a bad performance and i'm not even mad about it you know she can a beautiful have, I, mind i'm glad she got that oscar because i love her <laughs> even though i think the movie's stupid i didn't see that mm. movie again ron howard just yeah why why watch that anyway that was it for me all right well let's uh move on to uh roger dodger yep. our main yep. review Ooh, boy, I got a lot of notes. Okay, good. A lot of notes on this one. This is from uh, 2002. This was my pick. It's directed by Dylan Kidd, who has not really directed a ton of stuff since this. Uh, he did do a TV movie called Party Boat in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, this is uh, starring Campbell Scott and Jesse Eisenberg in his very first role, and uh, Isabella Rossellini, which is 
the reason we picked I picked this movie because uh, looking at her filmography and uh, yeah, this was just like a huge movie for me back when I was a teenager. I had the DVD of this and I watched it a lot. Um, I think I found Campbell Scott's character very funny and appealing and you know he's quick talking new york guy and, uh, mm. i would not yeah. describe him as appealing but. well <laughs> i think that he's appealing to you when you're 16 and 17 the same way he appeals to his nephew in the mm. film you know he's yeah. he seems like a really cool guy and before when you're watching this when you're 16 and 17 you're not picking up the 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 real uh, story here which is his sort of uh you know the person that he is is not a good thing like it's he's a broken right. no he's person. he's a broken thing there talk about irredeemable ahead, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that yeah and this is i i can definitely see how if i had seen this movie in high school i would have just like loved and i and i and sorry spoiler i enjoyed it uh a, gr- a great deal uh, but I would have absolutely fallen in love with just kind of like this verbose style of uh, of storytelling for sure. This would have been this would have been my shit. Yeah, this was a huge this was huge for me, guys, in my teenage years. Mm. <laughs> I owned the DVD. I watched a lot. Do you still have the DVD? I do not. I he wore I, it I, out. He wore it out. I honestly have no idea what I did with it. I, mm. I honestly, though, I probably got rid of it. I sold a bunch of my DVDs to a pawn shop a couple of years ago because mm. they're it DVDs. Was, they're worthless. You it know? was probably also like a garbage DVD. Like, yeah. there's no way this was a good DVD. Of course not. I mean, yeah, like one of those ones that had like the black plastic that folded over. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was that. I don't know if it was like that. I think that's specific to certain distributors, but, uh, um, but it definitely like didn't look great. I'm sure. Like it was probably like one of those DVDs where if I put it in my TV in my like DVD player now and tried to play it, it would like be cropped to like a like a you know like a rectangle yeah. on my big screen. Because yeah. mm. they probably weren't. asked you if you want to watch the full screen or the white. Screen. <laughs> yeah, it was, pro- it was probably double sided. Honestly, the disc. Ooh, a lot of them were like that. Right. Yeah. So did you guys have dads that were like really like like why are we doing widescreen? Why would we do that? No. I don't my, think no. so. My my dad was like, I cannot see my dad screen. caring in the least. Yeah, I don't think my dad ever. I don't think he really knew. He would just kind of put the disc in, and, mm. and you know, whichever side was up, that's what we were watching. I think yeah. my dad just like grew up with like widescreens for the movies and TV is for pan and scan, and I just you know he's just gonna do that shit. Yeah, I'm with I'm with Kevin. I don't think my dad understood the difference or cared. Yeah, he still doesn't. I remember yeah. him specifically. I do remember him complaining about um, he had a VHS of Last of the Mohicans that was in widescreen, and he hated that that there were black bars on it. Mm. <laughs> like he, could, he could not. I just that. like I hate that I can see everything that Michael Mann filmed. <laughs> right. Can't yeah. Stand it. <laughs> yeah. He was like, it's "This is shit. bullshit. Why are there black bars on my screen?" <laughs> but anyway. Um, Roger Dodger is about a smooth talking ad executive who attributes his remarkable success with women to his ability to manipulate their emotions from the moment he meets them. Mm. But when his teenage nephew drops in for a visit, he soon learns that this approach isn't as foolproof as he thought when he attempts to teach the boy how to pick up women. Like 
Like, yeah, that's what happens, but like that's that, the plot. Yeah, it just mm. sounds. It it doesn't like simplify anything. It just like it. it everything that happens with that is just so much worse than how it's described. <laughs> <laughs> like, does he have remarkable success with women? And also, mm. is the is it weird that this isn't foolproof for a fucking sixteen year old who <laughs> I, I I can't decide if Jesse Eisenberg's character is actually sixteen or if the only person who says his age is a. Uh, is Campbell Scott or if Campbell Scott just doesn't know how old no, uh, high school kids are. No. Uh, Jennifer Beals says he, I think Jennifer Beals says he's like, he's like, he's like 16. Like whenever she right. first sees him, she does, she, but she doesn't yeah. know how old he is. No. Mm. And he's and get, Jesse Eisenberg. The actor is 19. Yeah. Filming this. Campbell Scott at one point calls him a 16 year old. And we but, know he's in high school, but mm. we also think that he is a senior interviewing at colleges although that that's true it's weird that he's interviewing at college exactly happening yeah right so i'm i'm thinking i think he's probably actually a senior mm, maybe i don't know uh, does it matter a little bit like if he's like 17 potentially 18 that matters Whereas, oh, if he's know, 18 he's of age right not 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 of age to drink in 2002 but no of age it's a to little have sex right but mm. I, you know, let's let's assume that he is not 18, and uh, Campbell Scott's as creepy and horrible as uh, <laughs> as presented. I think Campbell Scott isn't isn't looking at it as uh, obviously not not concerned at all about his age because he's thinking to himself, he, you know, when I was 16, I was uh, I was a poon hound, you know. Probably yeah, obviously. We yeah. yeah, we know you're with your Christian upbringing. You were obviously a poon hound. What? No, I'm saying Campbell Scott was. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> well, not Sorry. me. I'm just, I'm just, you know, more trolling. Just more trolling. Okay. okay. Uh, so what did you guys think about Roger Dodger? <laughs> I think it's funny how, like, they describe him as, they describe him as this, you know, in the synopsis, he's described as a ladies' man. But then, like, you know, he gets rejected by Isabella Rossellini. He gets objected by, um... Uh, Marina Bakarin, and then the older lady, and you know, because by that point he's just being a dick, and it's like, you know, like he talks a really good game in that opening scene, but then mm-hmm. it's like in practice, it's like, nah, you're not getting laid. Well, <laughs> oh man, his sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I this movie, watching this movie was like watching, um an episode of the bear for me, but like for an hour and 45 minutes where like, I'm, I'm so uncomfortable with everything that's happening for the entire <laughs> runtime. And it like, it starts so aggressively. I, like, I don't know how you guys would describe the music over the opening credits. And then also over a couple of like transitional scenes. It sounds like, like a that, rejected that York keyboard. Track. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> like, with no vocals. It's aggressive. And, uh, and it immediately starts out, with uh sorry starts off with Campbell Scott doing this you know this monologue at his his table um and he's holding like, court he, he's <clears throat> holding court and he uses like the idea of like pointing north as like a useful <laughs> survival skill that women respond to and from that moment I was like oh my god <laughs> like this energy is like this is uncomfortable energy for me 
And then, you know, of course, he's like, yeah, he goes to Isabel Rosalie's apartment where he, she learns that he's like fucking copied her keys. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, how, how sexy copying your keys <laughs> yeah. without her permission. Uh, and there's just like a lot of like, this is like big 1990s, like Neil Labute energy. Mm. Like, uh, you know, like like in the company of men and, and movies like that. where That's a 2000s movie, but sure. I think that's 1997. <laughs> no. <laughs> In the company of oh no no you're right I'm thinking of In Good Company when you said that I was thinking of In Good Company my bad my bad so, Neil Labute's like definitely like a 90s sorry you know no you're right I'm sorry like on <laughs> terrible kind of guy uh, anyway that um just like that sort of like like men are superior to women energy is just like it is it makes me very uncomfortable mm-hmm. these guys who are very confident and are very assholey i just like Ugh, i can't handle it mm. um and that's that's what this movie is for an hour, hour and 45 minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> i agree okay. I, 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 I should also say just speaking of that opening scene my absolute least favorite part of the entire film is is that scene really for multiple reasons okay uh one I, I, it's my second least favorite part but okay okay well one i find it like what he's saying in that scene feels I think Campbell Scott does a really good job of making a lot of what he says seem pretty natural. What he's saying in that scene seems very written. Like it feels like mm. rehearsed, you know, which it probably which works because he probably has rehearsed that, that that's that yeah. uh, the utility speech before you said that to other people probably. But I think that's, I think when, and when I'm 16 watching this, which mm-hmm. I didn't, watch it then i did (laughs) i think that scene is like sucking me in right like that's Mm. that's a really good hook for like a more inexperienced uh movie viewer more inexperienced with life viewer just like that like sound Mm. like like i can maybe maybe i hear how awful it is you know while like being clever but it, like that's that was that's definitely like a hook for someone younger. I should say also that this is not reflective. What I'm saying now is not reflective at all of how I would have felt about this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Too. Sorry. In 2002, <laughs> I would have found it brilliant. Like this Dylan kid is the next Tarantino. This is an amazing <laughs> opening scene. This is like Reservoir Dogs. It's incredible. Yeah. The, the problem yeah. is that we see that he's trying to be like Tarantino right. and Neil Butte and also um it's just laying it's laying things out a little too too neatly and laying mm-hmm. laying it on really thick also, uh, which, which isn't really like this this Campbell Scott character is never like subtle with what's going on so you know maybe laying it on thick doesn't really work there but also the atrocious uh aesthetic of shaky cam and like it's oh, that so aggressive. Yeah. Just in that opening scene, it's so much more aggressive than it is the entire rest of the film. Like it never gets that shaky again. It's insanely shaky. Um, mm. There are some shaky moments in the brothel for sure. Yeah. But in the brothel, there's stuff going on where it's like people are moving around. There's a little bit of action. Like he's yeah. he drags down and everything like that. I but mean, it's like, just like we're, we're very like low light. In yeah. that, we'll, we'll, we'll mm. get there. We'll get there. It just feels like they're in that opening scene. There's no reason the camera should be, you know, <laughs> like, like yeah. put the camera on the actor 
and let him speak. It's like they're they're I mean they're literally they're losing him on purpose. It makes no sense at all. It just feels like they wanted to no. be shaky. And, yeah, and, and, like they're trying to look over somebody's shoulder like they're just sitting at a fucking table eating. <laughs> I didn't like it, <laughs> but I I guess I'll I'll kind of defend it as like a an establishment of like this very like close quarter, you know, cramped claustrophobic mm-hmm. vibe that I think uh sure. you know, it's an aesthetic that that's sticks through the entire movie but uh it is very annoying in the in the opening scene Mm. less annoying later for sure yeah i mean towards the end of the film i mean the camera is stable even Mm. in a few shots it's on the brothel no at the i'm talking about after um like like the, the next morning yeah after eisenberg leaves there's a steady shot of the couch it's on tripod like it doesn't move at all. It's static. And, and then, uh, also everything in Ohio pretty much is, I mean, that's, I think the thing in the cafeteria is, uh, the is, Ohio, that's a whole, we gotta, we gotta say that we gotta, <laughs> the Ohio thing is a whole, it's a whole Sorry. thing. So anyways, that's a whole thing. Okay. So he's, uh, so his boss, uh, Isabella, Isabella Rosalini is in that opening scene. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that there's really any sort of, inkling that they're together in that scene but you soon learn that they've they're dating mm. and that like you said jr uh, he's made keys to her apartment so that she doesn't have to buzz him up constantly which is once a week <laughs> and uh and then she breaks up with him but not before betting him one more time yeah well yeah like she's we gotta make, we gotta make this one count obviously that's how you break up with people yeah, mm. it's the wolf of wall street Classic. Totally. Yeah, this is the last time. Um, and I like I've, I'm, I, I, it's hard to say. I don't like anything Hamill Scott does in this movie, but I, I like the direction that his character goes in some situation. I just find it interesting, like the, like the way he reacts to that breakup. Initially, is to go to this bar and just harass women, <laughs> like, yeah, to make them feel bad. Oh about my themselves. god, yeah, that was me. Sorry. Um, yeah, in. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> Mar- uh, Marina Marina sighting. You know yeah, who is she? She's somebody. Yeah, she's uh she's in Firefly, the Joss mm-hmm. Whedon series, oh. and Serenity, and she's been in a bunch of other things. She's in she's in some show recently, and I can't remember what it is. Uh, she was in like that Batman series, and she was in that remake of the um that V. Alien Invasion show. <laughs> Deadpool 1 and 2. For, yes. Oh, yeah, that's Sorry. right. She's the girlfriend. Uh, and she was in some... I, re- I just remember the previews for this recent TV show where, like, it's like a police interview. It, you know, like some twisty, naughty, uh, naughty as in K-N-O-T-T-Y mm-hmm. kind of deal where she's, like, some criminal mastermind um, mm. that probably didn't make it. But, yeah, she's, she's a person. Okay. And she's very attractive. She mm. looks good, yeah. Definitely. But I was, I remember watching this when I was younger and, and liking that line where he says, um, this is the kind of, this is where the, the movie is really the most, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's the movie <laughs> is problematic if you're watching it when you're a teenage boy, because the mm. things that he's saying, you're going, you're, you're going to agree with like, you're <laughs> like, like when he says, 
what if I told you that your entire personality is a collection of Vanity Fair articles? I was like, that's a good line. And like, I remember thinking, that's good. That's true. I bet she is a, just a collection <laughs> of Vanity Fair articles. <laughs> you know, like she, she is probably just a vapid, you know, moron or something. Which your is, boss is just a guy in a jacket. He's not your dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not daddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's just like, uh, it's, it, it definitely hits differently depending on your age, I think. Mm, well, it, and for sure. For, for many of the, uh, the interactions with women, uh, starting with this, uh, Marina Bacharin one, uh, it's like, I, I often feel like the female he's interacting with is, is outsmarting him, one-upping him, like a- almost always. Like mm. the way that she's like, so what are you doing when you're not reducing the world? It's just like, like she, he he's sitting there thinking that he knows everything about her. Where it, like with that one question, she has obviously figured out exactly who he is. Um, and like that's not it's not huge, but it's just like it, it is revealing that like of course, every yeah. every woman that he's talking to is is intelligent and is like a fully functional person, like a real person regardless mm-hmm. of the shit that he's saying. And this is um, something that's totally lost on you when you're 15. Yeah. Like you don't and, get that at all. You know? But I, I don't, you don't really get that with um, the first couple of interactions with Rosalini, but you do get something different. Like Rosalini, Rosalini is obviously like a, a really weird power dynamic sex mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Like obviously but she's obviously like she, yeah. And she has the power in the relationship yeah. for mm. multiple reasons. And, she um, doesn't need to like sound smart to him. Like she's right. like, well, I can just fire you. Exactly. As, yeah, exactly. As she does. Yeah. Exactly. So she she does. Uh, he um, what he tries to break into her apartment again or whatever. He tries to get into her apartment. Yeah, and where's and, the other doorman? All right. Yeah, but, <laughs> He's at home asleep. <laughs> and then the weird scene. I always found it really weird and cringy when I was a kid. Even when he says, "I'm her boy." He pulls out the scarves. I'm her boy. <laughs> yeah, that was, it's like, yeah. Weird, Cause like, rough. again, we're, but that th- I, I took a, a, a string of notes. Like there, there are multiple points at which Dylan kid makes it very clear that he thinks uh, of Campbell Scott's character as a child. Like mm. I, and I think that ends with, you know, him doing the lipstick message on <laughs> Rosalini's mirror yeah, we're we're in like it's not just the the childish like it's not the the childish idea of leaving an angry message. It's like the, the fucking like vocabulary in the message. Where he says yeah. pooper, pooper. Yeah, <laughs> which is like yeah, okay, we get it. He's he's a child. We get it. Yeah, that's pretty good. I yeah. actually I actually hadn't thought of that. That that he's portraying him as a as a sort of man child and, and specifically that, you know, that's, that's good. Actually. I never thought about that. The pooper line specifically. That, cause I yeah. remember, yeah. Cause I remember that. I remember not understanding that the first time I saw it, that she likes it in the pooper. I was like, I don't know. I have no idea what that means. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously it's, it's supposed to mean something They're You know, they're showing it and Eisenberg is looking at it. Mm. I, I did not get it when I was 15 or whatever. Yeah. I was you know, it just it just depends on what kind of porn you're watching as a teenager, exactly. I guess. Exactly. I probably wasn't to the anal portion yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so yeah, the, uh, I, I, I like, like, again, I was saying the dialogue that Scott has to, to deal with in this movie. Like he's a, he's obviously like a, he's a fast talking ad exec. Right. Mm. And, uh, I think that he actually does a really good job with a lot of it. It's, it's surprising to me that I don't know what the reception was like to this movie, but it feels like, and I haven't seen a ton of Campbell Scott's other performances, but this feels like he does. He inherit, he inhabits his character so well, in my opinion, that it's like, I'm surprised he didn't get more work like this where he was like a fast talking mm. business guy or like New York guy or whatever, you know? Yeah. He just does it really well. So then Eisenberg shows up. That's his nephew in his first role ever. And, uh, how do you guys feel about Eisenberg in this movie? I mean, I think he's for uh, kind of same old Eisenberg. I think that he's uh, just spastic enough to be charming. Just <laughs> <laughs> okay. no, the, um, That's good. That's a line from the film. Yes. Sorry. To our audience. <laughs> Take that fucking bracelet off. Uh, <laughs> no, the, uh, I mean, yeah, I think. I think he's good. I mean, he, for the most part, he is playing off of and reacting to Campbell Scott. But in the moments where he has to, you know, to be the person talking, uh, those moments are mostly built to make me, me specifically, 20 years later, uncomfortable. And um, and it's (laughs) what scenes are we talking about? Like when he's talking just like, yeah, I mean, like when Campbell Scott, you know, sets him up where he has to, Elizabeth Berkeley walks over. She's like, oh, he says, oh, yeah. oh, your uncle told me you have something to tell me that's going to blow my mind. And like him trying to like work through what to say in that moment when he clearly didn't prepare quickly enough mm-hmm. uh, is, is very uncomfortable. The entire Elizabeth Berkeley initial interaction, I think, is uh, is something I never want to watch again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if I feel. Yeah, it doesn't affect me that much but i mean i i definitely i i agree that it's uncomfortable but i think it's it's to me it's just impressive that he that it feels like jesse hasenberg does a good job of conveying that he has no idea what to say in that moment yeah. and he comes up with it mm. you know yeah it, and he, it, what he comes up with is good <laughs> like it's, it is good. It's, you know i don't think it's good you know it's it's, it's a good, good in a way yeah. that campbell scott or of course i'll call him roger we'll call him roger sure he's the the titular he's, roger um like it's good enough that he's like surprised that it works, mm-hmm. but you know, it's like you kind of went a little bit emotional. It's heavy on the bullshit, but we can work with this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't, you know, I, it's weird. Like as that, that string of conversations keeps going and we add Jennifer Beals to it and you know, they're, the four of them are talking like I get more comfortable with it, even as it gets, it should be getting more uncomfortable. You know, Jennifer, Beale, Jennifer Beals ends up like, you know, doing like a make out with this minor, um, just to give him his first kiss. And like, yeah. it, it, it definitely gets like more weird and, and sexual, <laughs> but it's, it's that, it's that introduction that really had me just like stomach churning. Um, Eisenberg does well with that too, though. The whole, um, yeah. Like he, when he says, uh, she says, after she kisses him, she says, don't fall in love with me now. And then it's like, 
he totally falls in love with like he like loses yeah. it. Oh, yeah. when, when he runs after her, that whole scene when he confronts her at the cab, he's like, I, I just don't want it to end. I gotta like like he doesn't know what to say. What he really wants to say is like I want us to have sex, but he doesn't know how to he's not his uncle, so he has no idea how to like smooth talk this woman or anything. He has no idea what to say to her. I thought that was all really good, like really well performed. And mm. yeah, it, my ultimately my favorite part of this whole a uh, long sequence with Berkeley and Beals is uh, is that Roger just clearly expects Berkeley, especially because that's she's the the first one uh, who's there. Beals is not there yet. Like he just expects her to be a hot idiot, and they're just so clearly not. They're just like really thoughtful and intelligent yeah, yeah. people, and uh, and I love how quickly that gets turned on him, and he's like constantly trying to like catch up and figure out like what is the right move here not just to like get Nick laid but also like to make me what's my next move where I go back to seeming like the coolest person at the table <laughs> it's so true <laughs> yeah I like when he tries to kiss uh Elizabeth Berkeley's character it's like come on it's for no. symmetry and she's like just not having it at all she's <laughs> like what if I was married not even if you were married <laughs> like, I'm married I keep a ring in my wallet <laughs> <laughs> I do like some of his lines a lot, man. Actually, I mean, like the the when he's when he's they're on the street and he's telling he's teaching Jesse Eisenberg how to ogle women, you know. Mm, and yeah. he says, and he talks about his peripheral vision. He says, "I see behind me on a good day." <laughs> I I mean, and I loved, you know, it's like he's he's got this whole like worldview where mm. he's like alone in this ivory tower of of elitism, but he's also just like. He's like, you know, he thinks he's so receptive, so receptive on like a fucking lightning rod. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you think women know what's going on up here? They don't know shit. <laughs> it's like every woman we meet knows exactly what's going on up there. Instantly. Yeah. That's so true. Now he's mm-hmm. He's got a lot of great lines. I mean, you know, and there's there's like a lot of uh, a lot of bad things he does where I love the line. You know, Jesse Heisenberg like shouts at him. I don't put alcohol into my body. And he's like, you drink that drink. And I, uh, I don't know. Like that was like, that's one of like the more simple, you know, dialogue exchanges in the whole thing. But I thought it was hilarious. Like when he says, uh, have you met my nephew? His name is Jesus. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. Um, this was like, I remember when this came out, I don't know if I read, I can't imagine I was like reading film criticism or anything, but I, I saw online or something that this was supposed to be like Elizabeth Berkeley. I mean, it was an interview with her. She was, she was thinking this was going to be like her comeback because like uh, showgirls had <laughs> destroyed her career for years. Mm-hmm. And this was like a little independent film that was going to showcase how good she could be. And she's going to make a big comeback. I mean, honestly, she's she's good. She yeah, she's good. really good. Yeah. I like her and and Jennifer Beals a lot in this. And and I have not seen Flashdance. I don't think I've seen much with Jennifer Beals. Um, I've seen Flashdance, and you're not missing a whole lot. <laughs> sure. What else is she in? Uh, oh, Book of Eli. I saw that. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think I saw that. Is she in that? I don't know. I don't, Jennifer. <laughs> yeah, she was like, like she was Gary in the L girlfriend. Oh okay. She was in the L word for a long time, but that's yeah, not that's a right. show I watched. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. Uh, I liked her a lot. It, Elizabeth Berkeley, I don't know if I've seen a ton with her, but I've seen Showgirls. and uh, She hasn't been in hardly anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I really like Showgirls. She's in Showgirls, she's in Any Given Sunday, and this movie. Yeah. 
Curse uh, of the Jade Scorpion, the Woody Allen film. She's in that. And I like that as well. I I don't remember her in it though. I I would say based on Showgirls and this that she is an actor who deserved more and better. But yeah, I, I agree. Know. I think she got unfairly. She all the blame fell on her for some reason for mm. people disliking that movie. Yeah, but, I, mean, I I would maintain that people don't, you know. People didn't get Showgirls. Right. I'm not saying it's a masterpiece at all, but it, that's good because it isn't. People did not understand what <laughs> what Verhoeven was going for, and I do. You know, I think Elizabeth Berkley is insane at moments in that movie, <laughs> but like she's she's like contributing to a lot of the cast. Yeah, successfully. All, all, the actors in that movie are all, like they're all at eleven. Yeah, every that, one of them. That's intentional. <laughs> Exactly. And it's, you know, it's like, I don't know, had people never seen a Verhoeven movie before? Like, that's not u- unique to Showgirls. Like, It's like if you watch Starship Troopers, if it didn't have the action, I think people would have reacted the same way. It's like the... the I mean, I the, did. When I, saw, oh, really? when I saw Starship Troopers as a kid, I was like, this is the worst, like, made, <laughs> like, thing that I've ever seen. <laughs> I hate it as a kid. That is like, the like worst fucking, opinion I've ever oh, heard. I mean, I, I was, was literally 10. Like Even I, I think still. it came out in 1998. I saw it in theaters as a 10-year-old. Yeah. I saw I it. Thought, I don't think I saw it in the theater, but I, I loved it from the get-go. But I didn't even I, – the the act the bad acting thing didn't even register with me. I was just like, whatever. The killing of the bugs is amazing. You know, and all boobs. the violence. Yeah. yeah, and the boobs. Sure, of course. Dina Myers. Uh, anyway, <laughs> back to Roger Dodger. Um, do you guys feel like, because this is something I was thinking about in the film, and in combination with like we were talking earlier about uh, Raging Bull and like a sort of scumbag, irredeemable character, a difficult mm. character you called him, Jr. It's like Roger is a difficult character, also. Definitely. But it feels like. Uh, I, like that. Okay, so just to jump immediately to the Ohio stuff, is he is that a redemption moment for him? I mean, is he coming full circle, or is it just more of the same? Okay, so sorry, Kevin, you go. I've been hogging. I think it's. I I really think it's more of the same because I know he has like the crisis of conscience when like he pulls pulls him out of the brothels. Like, no, mm-hmm. this isn't the right place for this to happen. And then like, you know, he finally listens to the answer message from uh, his sister. Is like, hey, uh, he's been missing for a couple of days. Um, we don't know where he is, et cetera, et cetera. So he like, you know, does he tells does, her to he tells him to call his mother. Yeah. Which, is, yeah. which seems like a, the most responsible thing he's told his nephew the entire movie. <laughs> Low, low yeah, fucking so, bar. Yeah. 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 So like, but at the same time, I will I will say that like I don't know if it's necessarily, I don't know if it's necessarily him, you know, turning it around. I think it's might actually be more of him being a chicken shit. Hmm. How so? Like, you know, because like earlier in this movie. Like he probably would have, you know, like he's like saying like some pretty negative things about his sister and, you know, Mm -hmm. his sister said negative things about him. So he probably would have been like, ah, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Like, let you know, he's a kid, you know, he should be like what uh, Nicholson said in um, Cuckoo's Nest, like bird, dog and chicks and banging beaver. What are you doing here? (laughs) Um, What's funny about that? (laughs) 
That's so good. Anyway, but yeah, like, um, yeah, so like, uh, yeah, so him pulling him out of the brothel, you know, call your mother is like, it's like, does he just is does he really want you know things to be does he want to be a better person or does he just not want to face the responsibility for these actions sure he doesn't want to deal with the consequences well, of yeah 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 or possible consequences I, I mean and i i i had problems with this sequence because i i think like structurally it it has i have opinions on why it, it would be there i think the movie could have ended with uh, Eisenberg getting in the cab, but if it ends with Eisenberg getting in the cab and just like going back home, uh, kid can't, you know, keep us thinking about like this idea of perpetuating a cycle. And, uh, and I think Roger going to Ohio is also like his own reclamation project. Like he failed. He doesn't want to change. He doesn't want to grow. He failed. He didn't get the kid laid. And if he shows up in Ohio and does this, and like he can go back to being the coolest guy at the table. Um, and and I think in that moment he he's very much trying to be. Um, I just I don't. I think this scene is the worst one in the movie because uh, I I, I <laughs> just like I yeah I just like I don't think kid. I don't think Dylan kid like handles it well because it does feel like it might be like this reclamation thing, but like nothing in the content of the scene for me feels like it is any sort of like growth moment for him. And then mm. it ends with a freeze frame where Nick is going to like either, um, you know, he's going to lie and start this whole like seduction game that, uh, that Roger has taught him or he's going to tell the truth and be himself. And I think the way that Eisenberg performs that moment and kind of looks up mm -hmm. to like engage with the moment. I think it suggests it's going to be the former. He's going to do the lie. He's going to do the game. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, but I mean, yeah. they do live it, but they leave it ambiguous. So, I mean, they leave it ambiguous. Sure. You're right. I can't know for sure. I, I just, I feel I got a very strong impression in the and, seconds leading up to that second that this is where it was going. And the I will say that the advice that he gives to those kids is drastically different than the advice it's, that he gives to him in the bar. I mean, I he, mean it's, he tells them to go. He tells them to bear their feelings to this girl and say, I want to get to know you. Let's go out and have a soda. Like, he doesn't tell him to lie to her. Right. Or, or, he doesn't. He doesn't mm. He's not like saying like. Yeah, he's, he's not doing like the game to like get in bed immediately. Right. You're, exactly, you're right yeah. about that. But it it still just feels like he needed that moment for a win. Like he I traveled to that. Ohio for for the win for himself. But he also did reconcile with the sister. It, it, it would appear as though he reconciled with the sister. They were having tea together. So. What <laughs> high school just lets an adult in? Oh, that well, that's cafeteria? that's just you have to suspend <laughs> disbelief on that one. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Your uncle's weird, man. How did he even know how to find Angela? Yeah, it's yeah. difficult to say. Uh, well, he is gross. kind of a stalker, so I did like the. Uh, I did. I. I don't. I like. I like the scene just because I find it to be the funniest scene in the entire movie. <laughs> when, when the 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 guy that that nerdy kid's like, you gotta be in control, right? And he goes, in control. Who is this yeah. kid? <laughs> and he says, look at you. Look at your face. Look what you're eating. <laughs> and like, of course, I mean that kid is Roger. That kid's just like a young. Yeah. 
like the kid wants the kid wants to be Roger. Of course, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look good. at your face. Yeah, the look at your face. Was yeah. good. Look at your face. Yeah. Look what you're eating. You're in high school. <laughs> That's good. It's just uh, I find it very funny. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I agree. I sort of struggle with whether any of the Ohio stuff is necessary either but like i do i do think that like there's not a clear resolution to their story that's not satisfying like if he gets in the like you say if he gets in the cab and drives away it's like so but if, if he gets in the cab and drives away and that's the end it's like okay i mean you're you're right it's probably not satisfying but at least like we have this thing where okay Nick learns the lesson. He gets a glimpse of a possible future against this this possible future that he should probably avoid because it is empty and it is sad and it's inebriated in a way that he if doesn't any, want to. If, you know what would have been better? Not better. I hate. I let me retract that. What would have been interesting, maybe, would have been. Kim, uh, Roger doesn't go to Ohio. We follow Nick to Ohio and we see him engage with a female and make the choice on his own. So mm. I, I thought we were going to get that because I thought, mm. you know, like there before um, Roger shows up, we just see him talking to his friends at the cafeteria and they're like daring him to go talk to Angela. Right. And, you know, she's like, Angela's not wearing a bra. And he's like, oh, it's uh, not healthy. No, the boobs will sag. <laughs> Uh, and they're like, tell her, go tell her. You go tell her. Yeah. And go I thought that too. Even, even watching go. this, I didn't even, I didn't remember anything about like that scene. So I was like, oh, he's so going to get up and go tell her because now he's got this confidence. I thought, I thought he was going to go, but yeah. then Roger shows up. <laughs> just like a, a fucking, you know, teen sex fairy. Uh, it's just a fun, a fun button to the end of the movie. It's just a good scene. <laughs> I did not like that scene. I do uh, think the um, I think that the I like that it gets sort of dark and that he because he he obviously like you know his whole plan B thing the prostitution the brothel like he obviously doesn't really want to do that but then Eisenberg sort of pushes him into he's like okay yeah sure let's do it and 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 like his rationale is let's go down swinging <laughs> you know and uh that whole scene is like really it's like it's pretty uncomfortable. Mm. I think it would yeah. be uncomfortable even if it was just him going in there by himself. I think it would be uncomfortable, but the fact that it's this kid Every, going, yeah, everything about it was uncomfortable. And even like the, like maybe one of the weirdest moments in the movie was like the, the girl, like the young prostitute unbuckling mm. his pants yeah. and then like making a face at him. And I was like, what's that face is like, yeah, I didn't get that either. Is, is like, is she laughing at like the fact that she knows this, this kid's like a kid? Is she like, great I think she dick? Was is that like a great dick face? Like, I, I think she was surprised know. that he wasn't erect already. Okay. That's what I, I was getting from it because I like, just, I could naked, not, you know, I like, could so not read what was going on. Yeah. That's all. I, that's all. That's the only thing I could think of. But, <laughs> but anyway, mm. I don't know. I'm out of notes. <laughs> it's a classic five out of five just kidding <laughs> this would have been a five out of five for me like the second or third time i watched it probably i mean back mm. in the day we didn't oh. even cover the uh the work party oh yeah the party that, that that's also a weird uncomfortable scene too because well, like, we covered the, the pooper well, when they're bed, walking yeah. that girl to the bed 
and she's drunk off her ass it feels very disturbing it's like <laughs> like it is yeah. yeah i know it's just like they like cuz they know what they're going what they're bringing her back there for and it's just like you know and i think it walks a really fine line because i mean it crosses the line pretty much but it's like it could it could have been much worse like eisenberg you know the fact that he touches her at all is like problematic but yeah it's and, just you know he could it could have been it could he could have gone a lot further yeah no, it, it's it's like that's the moment where it's like, all right, there's a choice. Like Eisenberg can be another irredeemable character or he can, you know, be a decent person. And he's not either in that moment. He chooses an in-between, but he, you know, at least he doesn't rape her. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like rape molest. He like touches her, her leg, which. He touches her bra not, also. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So not not great, but there's uh he's not touching privates. Which I, guess I will say it rings it good. rings I, true yeah. to me though. It feels like something that a a kid his age would do in that situation. I mean, a kid his age might even might might do way worse, but it yeah, seems... especially a kid who's you know missing some faculties. He's he's yeah. been drinking. He is drunk. Oh sure. right, yeah. So, but the fact no. that yeah, I mean the fact that. Roger leaves him in that room to do that. Mm. Deeply fucked. Yeah. <laughs> deeply, deeply fucked. And, but it, but the thing is like, it, it, Roger is like not even really thinking about what he's doing here. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, well, this is an easy, this is a layup. I've set up an easy situation. It's awful. And he's just thinking about Isabella Rosalini right. and uh, confronting that situation and making an ass of himself. Um, which is awful. Great, uh, great scene. I do. <laughs> it's yeah, it's horrible scene. The, uh, <laughs> the horrifying scene. I do. One of my favorite lines. I missed it in the brothel. Sorry. Uh, getting into the brothel, um, which is literally underground. Yeah. Um. The the a person. I don't know. What do you call ticket, the person that checks you in? To, uh, <laughs> right. to the brothel, uh, she's like the madam. Yeah, she's like, wait, are you a minor? He's like, I'm an actor. I'm researching a role. So yeah. and just, just yeah. you know, ends with that ellipsis. Just lets him in. Yeah. No, no problem. Then you're an actor. We didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> totally. It's a good. It's a good. He he tried that line earlier too, at the bar, and it yeah. didn't work. Then no. <laughs> Worked at anyway. the bar. Not you know. Fewer scruples at the brothel. I like when he tells him to be like Mike. Like he talks about winning time <laughs> in the bar. Best show of the year. Everything he's saying when you're 15, it makes total sense. You're like, yes, that I I believe that this is what single life is like when I get older. Like I will go to this bar and act like this, and I will do these things, and I will say these, you know, these ridiculous. Um, I will come up with lies to tell. But then, you know, I've never, I mean, I've never even been to a bar, like a singles bar, I don't think. We don't drink. What would you do there? Right, exactly. So I just never got to that. What, um, life. do we think in Ohio, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. That's all good. Do we think that he's still unemployed? Do we think he has another job? He is unemployed. He says he has to go back to New York and look for work. Yes, mm. I thought he said he has to go back to New York and get to work. No, he says he has to look for work. Okay. He says, he says there's, he goes, there's people, he goes, there's all kinds of people looking for ways to 
feel poorly about themselves or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, honestly, it seems like he would be able to get work just fine based on what yeah. he's doing at the time. Uh, I, a note that I didn't mention, I love when we see the workplace and it's just like the shittiest set of cubicles. <laughs> yeah. Like that, like that, that opening he's scene. An executive. Yeah. That opening scene where he's like commanding the table, you know, like this guy seems like he's in like a corner office. He's hot shit. And he's just in the, he's just in a shitty cubicle. He's just yeah. a piece of shit, run of the mill dude. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that That's why he's so easily replaceable with that skinny guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There are hundreds of resumes here to replace you. As Isabella says. Yeah. All right. Uh, ratings? I'm going three. Three's fair. I'm going three and a half. Oh, and, wow. and, and I'm giving it a like also because I do ah. like this. Jesus Christ. Well, now I feel like a dick. It's all good. Oh, that's going, a two going, and a half right no, there. No, I'm, I'm going four. I oh. I liked this a lot. And it's like, you know, you lose a half star for the final scene, you lose a half star for the first scene. Like, bookended by scenes I didn't like. I, I'm uh, actually really proud of myself like here. I everything picked the movie in the middle. that you gave four yeah. stars to. Look, I mean, if you, like, get a reaction out of me, we're like, I'm I'm deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, that it's not. I'm not deeply uncomfortable because it's bad. I'm deeply uncomfortable because something is working. Of course. Um, and mm. I, yeah, I, I thought this worked. So great. Four. I'm glad. You know, honestly, I was at a four, and then we, <laughs> as we were talking about it, sir, I don't know. So it's just, it's, it's just sort of like, I guess it was like a light four, and it just sort of like panned down in the other direction for me. Mm. Maybe, maybe I'll go four. I'll go four. I got a match your enthusiasm. I think the, the performances make everything work. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's it's far from perfect, but it's it's a, it's a it's a rough kind of enjoyable. So I, I'm in. Yeah. All right. Good. Great. Okay. Uh, let's do the letterbox roulette. Okay. So we've got um, Campbell Scott, Jesse Eisenberg, Isabella Rossellini again, Elizabeth Berkley, Jennifer Beals, and Morena. Bakar Bakarin? Sure. Okay. One of those. Sounds right. You guys said her name earlier, and I don't remember what you. Well, I don't know. I don't I know think we said, said right. different things. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. The dice roll. It's a four. Four. So it's Elizabeth Berkeley. Berkeley. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm okay. What am I watching? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, JR has got this as one always. Today. I've seen two movies, right? I don't know. No, I, I mean, clearly, but. You've seen at least, let's see, three, four, I'm going to say at least five. What's your number, bro? I'm getting there. Sorry. I'm Jesse Spano. Uh, (laughs) She's got beautiful eyes. Um, She is what many would, would probably consider a beautiful woman. Sure. I never found her terribly attractive. Mm. I remember growing up and watching uh, Saved by the Bell and thinking that she was sort of like the ugly duckling of the group. Saved by the Mm. Bell. My God. You didn't know that? No, I don't remember. I mean, that's like, it's like not my time. You didn't grow up watching Saved by the Bell every night? You know, so I used to like watch American Gladiators and stuff on Mm. whatever it was at USA every Saturday morning. Uh, Yeah. And like, probably at Mm. some point, 
the shows I wanted to watch became like, you know, it would then turn into Saved by the Bell reruns. And I was like, well, now now's my cue to turn this shit off. Wow. I used to watch the Bell was like, every day like of my life. Old, mm. stupid shit. I've not seen S. Darko, you asshole. I thought you had, <laughs> for sure. Okay, how uh, many? I, I've seen five. I've seen five. We're tied. <laughs> I've seen two, so you guys seen, duke this out. I've seen Showgirls, Any Given Sunday, Roger Dodger, and the two Say by the Bell movies that she's been in. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I've i seen First Wives Club, First Wives Club and Curse of the Jade Scorpion. Of course. Of course. So we're going to have to re-roll, I guess, to break the tie between Let's you do and it. All right. Yeah. You can get the app back out here. Okay, here we go. It's it's Campbell Scott. Well, you beat me there then for sure because I can't think of a single other movie I've seen. He's in Singles. I've not seen Singles. Oh really? I, he's in Day Tripper. Have you seen Day Trippers? What's that? The Greg Mottola. You have seen it, Greg Mottola. It's a Criterion movie. Oh yeah. Mm. I've seen Singles. What's what's the Ethan Hawke one like that with vampires? Is that not Day Trippers? No, it's called Day Wa- Day Walkers. Day Breakers. Ah, Day Breakers. Okay. Yeah, Day Breakers. Okay. Oh, he's in the Spider-Man movies. Okay. Right. Yeah. The the amazing ones. He's the father. He was in He was in uh, Dead Again. Yeah, I, we've oh. all seen that. And Spanish Prisoner. We've all seen that. Which is great. Okay, I've seen five of his also. Okay, I've seen eight. Fuck. <sighs> you would have seen both amazing Spider-Man movies. Yeah. You I would gross, have gross person. Okay. Um, I mean, I think it's it's that plus for somehow he's in no end in sight. I guess is he the narrator of that? I don't know. I don't even know what that is. It's a documentary. Oh, he might be. You know what's weird? I was looking at his filmography earlier. He did a he did a Hamlet in two thousand huh. where he plays Hamlet. Wow. Yeah, it's weird, right? That's weird. <laughs> Okay, he's the narrator of No End in Sight, which is probably bullshit. I've really seen seven Campbell Scott movies, but that still wins because I've oh, seen yeah, Spider-Man. You, you win. Mm. Okay, uh, Kevin, the number is 162. The movie we're watching is The Red Shoes. Have you seen this? Mm-hmm. So that definitely surpasses the time. No, it's only two hours and 13 minutes. Sure. I'm looking at it right now. Feels like it's like four hours. It's 133 minutes long. Okay. And I've never seen a Powell Pressburger movie, so me neither. This is exciting. Uh, highly recommended. I would maybe watch this one as well. All right, great. It's been a long time since nice. I've seen it. The Red Shoes, okay. um, which is on HBO Max and Criterion, and uh, Jordan Jordan gave it five stars, so you know it's good. Yeah, it doesn't really get movies very well, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, most of the people that I'm friends with who gave this very high ratings. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah, good. And for next time, it's gonna be Kevin's JR's no, no. JR's pick. Sorry, skip me pick. again. I never me. remember who's after me. I don't know why. JR, <laughs> well, what are so we it hasn't with? changed ever. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Maybe it has. I don't know. I'm kidding. Um, it's been this trio for like we've we've had this true. lineup for like the longest that this that this podcast has been going. No, I know. Every every, every every three weeks he'll he'll email Jonathan and be like, "What's your movie for next week?" <laughs> no, 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 no. Jonathan doesn't watch movies anymore. 
I only uh, no. I, sometimes I look at the website too, and it's it's like perfectly like every three. It's in blocks of three, so it's like yeah. you know me, you, Kevin, me, Jr. Kevin. So, anyways, Jr., what's your uh, pick? Yeah, I'm going uh, going back to the '60s. Uh, uh-huh. I I feel like we haven't done a samurai movie in a long time. I hope I'm not wrong mm. about that. Uh, have we ever um, done a samurai movie? Have we ever done a samurai movie? Uh, maybe I don't. I feel like I haven't with you, but I don't I'm know. 40 minutes into Kagamusha right now. So okay, well, that's not nice. It. That's not it. To but, uh, power through the rest of it is three fucking hours. <laughs> uh, no, I was gonna do. That's um, great though. I'm sure. I want to do Samurai Rebellion, a oh. uh, a movie I've not seen in a long time, directed by Masaki Kobayashi from 1967. This is starring Toshiro Mifune. Um, Ooh, I'm in 100. percent Five uh, out of five already. Right. No, I mean the the correct rating from all of us is a five out of five. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully this lives up to uh to the billing. It looks good. I'm into it. Um, I don't. Yeah, I like Kobayashi. Yeah, even I've never I've, seen. I've only seen Kobayashi one of his movies, but I want. Quite like, is really good. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I would like to see. Actually, I want to see the Human Condition movies too. I've been, I've heard good things about those. Those are great. Um, uh, very good director. Okay, so we'll be watching Samurai Rebellion uh, next time. And until then, thanks for listening. Visit our website, filmyakpodcast.com. Write to us, filmyakpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at filmyakpodcast. Rate us. Follow us on uh, your your podcast streaming platforms, and thanks a lot for listening. Bye.